How would that need to unfold so that everyone's happy and I get all the things that I want? Most people don't do that. They argue for their limitations. They say, here's what, let me tell you why it won't work. Let me tell you why it's not possible. Let me tell you why that's ridiculous. Let me tell you why that's unreasonable, right? Illogical. And I just don't play there. I just don't. I used to. So I know what that feels like. I know what that looks like. And I won't today. And today there's like extraordinary miracles and unbelievable things that happen in my life because I, 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 I believe in the impossible. And that's what I want to do. I want to make the impossible possible. This season of Reconditioned is made possible thanks to Hifas Terra. And I'm a little bit obsessed with them and I want to tell you why. So if you follow me on social media, you'll know I talk about mushrooms a fair bit. Yes, I am that wild and no, not the psychedelic kind. Not this time anyway. I've known about the crazy health benefits of medicinal mushrooms for a while, especially after watching Fantastic Fungi on Netflix, but I never found a brand that I fully trusted. And then I came across Hifas Terra, and I am not exaggerating when I say it has been life-changing. They have medicinal mushroom products to support autoimmune diseases, allergies, hormonal imbalances, gut health, brain function, emotional well-being, musculoskeletal issues, the list is endless. And because they're one of the few mycotherapy companies to actually carry out clinical trials on their products, they've been able to develop their Onco range, specifically for cancer. And potentially my favourite, they have products for children's immune systems and the gut-brain axis. Great for ADHD, sensory issues and gut support. These have got my kids through this winter of illness and they've made a huge difference to my son's sensory challenges. I'm swearing by them. Hifastatera mushrooms are not only certified organic, but they use the fruiting body of the mushroom as opposed to the root, which even the so-called top mycotherapy companies are not doing because it's more time-consuming and more expensive, but Hifas are. Spoiler, you get more benefits from the fruiting body, which is one of the reasons HIFAS products are more effective. The concentration and content of their products are also much higher than standard brands, and the company are constantly striving for quality, effectiveness and safety, putting over 60% of their profits back into research. These products have changed my life, and I want you all to have access to this level of healing. So visit hifasdaterra.co.uk that's H-I-F-A-S-D-A-T-E-R-R-A dot co dot UK and use code Lauren15 for 15% discount. Thank you so much to Hifas Terra. Hi, I'm Lauren Vaknin and you're listening to the Reconditioned Podcast. I created this podcast following my journey from severe disability since infancy to complete wellness as a way to share my passion of healing the whole self. Because I learned in my own journey to wellness and through my two decades in the wellness industry that it makes no difference what you're here to heal. It all requires the same whole person approach. We tackle everything from trauma, health optimization and neuroplasticity to manifestation, holistic parenting and everything in between to help you create an optimized life of well-being, abundance, self-mastery, and purpose. You're not meant to live a life of stagnation and you're not meant to be just fine. So hang around and let me help you recondition your life back to wholeness. 
So episode 101 and what a freaking episode this is with James Wedmore. James Wedmore is um, my business mentor, has indirectly been a mentor in many other ways as well and you'll hear me talking about it um, and talking about the story of how that has transpired uh, on the episode and I'm so excited and honestly I knew it would be a great episode because James is just great but it was we recorded when it was 12 30 at night for him <laughs> 7 30 in the morning for me so I wasn't sure you know if he'd be on point or how much energy he'd have and I always think to myself with guests that have their own podcasts are they going to give the same energy on my podcast as they give on their podcast? And there's always like a difference in their voice, in the way that they sound, if they're not fully into it. And I am happy to report that James did all the great and funny and amazing things that he does in his own podcast. The energy was so high, so vibrant, the conversation was so expansive. And I'm doing this intro just to kind of say, not that I don't always, I always do an intro, but just to let you know that if you're looking at this thinking, you know, oh, I don't, I'm not in business or I'm just kind of here for the wellness stuff or whatever it might be, this episode will serve you wherever you are at. James might be a business coach, but that is not just what he's about. It goes so much deeper. We talk about our journeys with the shaman that we both, both work with we talk about manifestation and finances. We talk about energetic or shamanic deaths. When you're being forced into something, you, you, you can just feel like the universe is pushing you to shed, to give up something and you're resisting and you're resisting. So we talk about all this wonderful stuff and um, yeah, it's a super long episode, but I am good with that. Like I, I love those episodes. I get really frustrated when people are like, oh yeah, it's a bit long. I love those long episodes because it means that we've gone into something deep. We've given our all, we've been passionate, we've been present. We've just it, not looked at the clock. And that's what this episode felt like when we were having this chat. It was just a continual conversation a continual back and forth with James giving all his wisdom and knowledge and um, input and insights into all the things that I asked him. So I'm so excited for you to hear this. Please listen all the way through because honestly you will gain so much from this episode. Don't forget to follow James at James Wedmore on Instagram and make sure you check out his podcast, Mind Your Business Podcast. It changed my life genuinely when I started listening to it when you hear this episode, you will hear just why that is. Okay, um, let us get on with this episode with James Wedmore. With over 15 years experience as an expert running a consistent eight-figure-a-year online business, James Webmore has spent the last decade teaching entrepreneurs how to launch and scale their digital brands. Beginning his career as the YouTube guy, James made a name for himself teaching online experts how to leverage the power of video and YouTube marketing to reach more people, share their message, and convert more customers. In 2016, James made a massive shift to focus on a big gap missing in the marketplace, the mindset needed for entrepreneurship. He launched a totally woo-woo podcast, the Mind Your Business podcast, and his signature program, Business by Design. 
Today, he helps coaches, experts, content creators, and authors not only to craft better marketing messages, but also how to ditch the hustle mentality and create true and lasting success from the inside out. So James Wedmore, welcome. I'm so honored to have you here. Thanks, Lauren. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So we're going to get into all the good stuff. But before we do, I always start by asking the same question, uh, which is going to be an interesting one because it's actually 1230 at night where you are. It's 730 in the morning for me. It's 1230 in Sedona. But what have you done so far today to support your wellness? Oh, my goodness. Well, it's been such a full day, you know, so I I guess I could have a lot. Um, What have I done today to to support my wellness? Um, so I have a couple of daily, um, protocols that I, that I do, um, uh, that includes my daily dose of my magnesium chloride. I take that every single day. Uh, a couple of just like basic vitamins, like zinc, vitamin C. I like to do that every day. I also take a tincture that, um, Don Javier gave me a recipe for, which I love. So I take that every morning. And then um, I have for my own, like, I think just like relaxation of health and, and peace. Um, I, uh, I, I'm playing about two times for about 45 minutes to an hour each uh, guitar. I'm learning the guitar right now. And that's like a really um, um, joyful thing for me. Uh, and then I read for about 30, 40 minutes every day as well. And then today, which was just like my really gift and joyful thing was I played video games with my nephew for about an hour as well. So mm-hmm. those are like, those are like my, all my little gifts to medicine to for the soul. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's so important when, when I ask people what they've done for their wellness, and I really enjoy when people talk about the things that are actually medicine for the soul. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Okay, so people listening might be hearing about what you do, and I've read out your bio and and wondering why I've got you on recondition because you don't work in the wellness industry technically. So I want to explain that it's more how you do what you do that prompted me to get you on the podcast, how you run an eight-figure business through the lens of intentionality and integrity and, I guess, high vibrations. And that's what I want people to hear because you've been – probably more integral than you actually know to my journey, not just in Mm -hmm. business, but my own growth journey. And I don't want to steal the limelight from you, but I'd love to give a bit of the backstory (laughs) (laughs) on just how integral you have been on my journey, if you're good with that, to start us off so people kind of understand. (laughs) So, okay, I never usually do this, but this is is important to give context. So um, I essentially, as most people listening um, know, was kind of, running not running a business I was essentially coaching people since my own remission from disability for like a decade and just kind of coaching people a little bit and I was writing about natural health and speaking about holistic health I'd never actually had a business and when we at the right at the beginning of going into lockdown my husband who works in educational recruitment so like all the schools closed down and he's like what the hell, you know, do I do with my business right now? And he went into this deep, dark hole. And I'd been telling him for ages, listen to podcasts. Like, I don't know about you, but I truly believe that podcasts are like an education. I've learned more from Mm -hmm. podcasts than I feel I ever could have learned from university. 
and he never and he never did and at this point he did he went on walks and he started listening to I said listen there's podcasts about business all sorts of things um so he researched business podcasts and he came home and he said I found this podcast it's called mind your business like you have to listen to this it everything's shifted in my mind I I don't know what's happened but everything's shifted (laughs) I was like wow I've never heard of this podcast show me what is it so I started listening and I was like, wow, this is incredible. And I literally was going through like all the episodes. I mean, I was in lockdown with two very, very young kids. Um, but if I would go for a walk, whatever, I was listening. But then it triggered the shit out of me as well, because I knew deep down that I was an entrepreneur, but I wasn't mm. running a business. So then I got to this point that I stopped listening because I was like, this is just triggering me because <laughs> I don't have a business to run. And he's telling me all yeah. this stuff that I need to do in business. And I don't have a business. I'm just kind of like, going about doing all this stuff that I know I'm really good at, but not running like a proper scalable business, you know? So then it literally changed Daniel's mindset completely. So thank you. Wow. Um, and then I was like, wow, I've got to do this. Like I, it was divinely guided and whole another story that I won't go into about then how it was divinely guided for me to work with Don Javier as well. Mm-hmm. And so like, there was all these connections And then I said to Daniel, I'm doing it. I'm opening. No, first I opened, I started the podcast and he was like, you're still like, you've got a tiny baby. You're breastfeeding through the night. We've got a toddler. Like, don't be ridiculous. And I was like, no, no, no. I know that now is the right time. And, and I did it. I started the podcast. I opened the business as a natural business. I stopped, I like got out of my own way and stopped being triggered and was like, I'm triggered because I know I'm an entrepreneur. And um, yeah, then like all this divinely guided, crazy stuff started happening and obviously I joined BBD which is your signature program and um that's basically how it happened for me so Mm. having you on the podcast now on episode 101 um that's awesome yeah it's like really profound for me and I just want to say thank you to you oh well I received that you're you're very welcome thanks for sharing that that's that's incredible. And it's, it's, you know, it's surreal in so many ways. Cause you know, you just, you're doing what you do and you, you, you put your stuff out there and you, you don't know who's listening and, and, yeah. and what they're doing with what you're listening. And that's always something I always wonder about, you know, I was like, I don't know, do people hear that? Like, are they getting it? Yeah. And so it's always a joy that never gets old when someone's like, yeah. And here's what I did with it. So yeah. Thanks for sharing. That's awesome. Yeah. So just thank you. Um, so what I want to have, where I want to start with you Mm -hmm. is a lot of people I speak to or that I work with find it really hard to kind of move the ego self out the way, like to silence the 3d, you know, all Mm -hmm. the stuff you've got to do, the grocery shopping, what we're having for dinner, all that kind of stuff. You've been on the journey with Don Javier, who's the shaman Mm -hmm. we both work with for a lot longer than I have. He speaks about remembering, right? Remembering our truth, Mm -hmm. the truth of who we are. Because mm-hmm. the higher self just knows this stuff. So I wonder what business was like for you and just life in general before you came to that remembering and how things are different now for the people that are listening <laughs> that, that kind of really mm-hmm. find it hard to move that stuff out of the way. Yeah. Well, I find it hard to move it out, out of the way. Yeah. Uh, I still find it hard. And I think the difference is like, is, is just in, in the awareness and the commitment or discipline to it. Mm-hmm. 
it's like one of those things too, where it's like, you know, have you seen those like memes and those like Instagram things where people say like, you know, it's like, choose your pain, right? Mm. It's like, choose the pain of the discipline or, or the habit or the like going to the gym or eating this, or like choose the pain of the illness. And, and, and that's kind of how, kind of how I see it. Um, yeah, I, I, I had my first call and connection with him back in 2015. And I, just like you were triggered, uh, a little bit by my podcast, take that and then multiply it by about 10,000. And that's how triggered I was. I, I was like, F this guy. Like, I don't want anything to do with this. And I rejected it for, for three years. I just was like, I don't know who that was or what this was like this. Is blah. And, um, I was very business focused. Um, nothing wrong with that. You know, I had goals, I had dreams. I was very passionate about that. And, um, and so I just stayed in that, in that lane and, and in that focus. And, um, I won't get into the story unless, unless it becomes relevant, but through other circumstances and other individuals working with him, he, he, Don Javier came back into my, my sphere. And I, three years later was in a different place in my life and chose to, um, to reconnect. Uh, and so that's really where a, a lot of that, the, I'd already, I'd been a spiritual seeker for several years before that in my life. Um, and, and I'd already released the mind your business podcast. So I was talking about these things, but this is where like, you know, that it's like putting everything in overdrive on, on a whole nother level. And it's like, uh, you, you start to realize like a lot of the things that you would find or read on those, in those like spiritual bookstores, like love and light and, you know, stuff like that is like, that's, and, and no judgment or anything, but that's like, it's like kindergarten compared mm. to some of this. And you're just like, whoa. Um, so something started happening pretty quickly. And this is what he likes to call uh, the shamanic death. And the shamanic death, I, I think the best way I can describe it, and, I, and I, I, I'm not an expert in this, I'm just someone who's versed in having a lot of them, let's just be honest, uh, is where like the, the, uh, the ego death, I think people hear that term a, a lot. You know, it's an aspect of the, e, the ego, the 3D, what is in, I believe it's, it's like Toltecian, but um, it's what Don Javier refers to the Tanal, like the 3D aspect of us, not the totality of ourselves, but that aspect of ourselves where that part, um, which is like the, the youngest part of us, it's the tiniest part of us um, starts to, to die. Um, and, it, and it dies a painful death. And I remember the first major shamanic death I had, it was probably one of the biggest, I've had some other big ones, but this was a big one was, um, something started to change within me, which I kind of label as targets. I think it's kind of this concept I've been playing around for a while. Like, I believe we have these like invisible targets or internal targets. Like, you know, we can kind of call them values. They're kind of like values, but it's just like, where we want to go and why we want to go there and what we're focusing on internally. And, you know, so it's kind of like a value mixed within a goal. And, and for me, it was just business. It was like growth business. And, and it was very service-based still. It's just like, want to help more people, reach more people. Let's go, let's grow. And all of a sudden internally, it, it felt like none of that mattered anymore. Mm. Now, that's a really scary experience to go through because if you can put yourself in my shoes for a moment, you have a company with 15 employees, you've got expenses, you've got clients and customers, you've got goals, you've got bills, you've got all these things. And then all of a sudden you just start waking up and you start having, I was like, do I even want to do this anymore? 
is this even matter? Like, what's this all for? And it was a, it was a very scary process for me because like I went through this kind of, and, and I've talked to so many people since then, especially around 2020, which was obviously a very powerful time collectively on the planet for people where a lot of people really started to have a, a, a similar theme of an experience where we got to reevaluate in our life and what mattered. Now, when I went through this, this was closer to about 2018, end of 2018, like 2019, beginning of 2019. And uh, that was very scary. It felt like the ground of the foundation that you had spent years building suddenly just gone beneath you. And you had nothing to stand on. You, you didn't know where to focus on. It really felt like if my life was a snow globe, it had just been turned upside down. And what I realized what was happening was like my true north was changing, just like almost like the, the, the poles are shifting. My own pole was shifting. My own true north was shifting. And I was going through that shifting process. And it was, it was really, really scary. It was really challenging. But it, it, it changed to something um, to me bigger and more in alignment with our, our higher self, was, which is kind of like that target that you talk about of like, remembering ourselves or, or learning more about who we really are or deepening our, our spiritual practice. And it was very interesting because up until that point of my life, being a spiritual seeker that I was for many years, spirituality was a, was a means to an end. Mm. It was like a tool to help my business. It was like, well, if I learn how to manifest, I'll make more money. Right. right? And what was happening was it flipped and, it, and now it's the opposite. What I do in business is actually a tool for my spiritual practice. Because I believe a lot of like what we bracket as spirituality or spiritual growth is to me is, our, is personal growth. Because it's a lot of, a, of integrating um, like powerful ways of being. And we can, we can kind of talk about that and like how to grow as, a, as an individual first, like how to, how to be in control of that, the tunnel and not let it control you, you know, like, are we always getting into our anger or our triggers and our, you know, reactions or our pity and our fears, or do we have power over that? And so on one level, that just feels like personal, personal growth. And so if we're learning spirituality, like I believe like we can't really learn it in a void. And it was Mandy who said this and I, I and said it so beautifully because, um, Integrity has been something that's always really powerful for me. And integrity is, um, has a lot of definitions. Like, yes, there's a definition about morality, uh, but then there's also a definition of integrity being like whole or complete and uh, like being integral with your word, Mm. being your word. But there's this other definition that kind of floats around it as well, which is the integration of what we're learning. And I think what happens is a lot of people, learn a lot of spiritual stuff, really cool spiritual stuff. And there's a lot of spiritual seekers out there, but um, if they're not careful, um, not that you have to be careful, but like, it's very easy to just have it as concepts, knowledge and information in the head Mm -hmm. and it's not integrated. And what I started to recognize is like the business and what I do as my, my daily becomes in a way like a, a, um, the practice ground. It becomes the field in which I get to learn and apply. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, su- that might seem subtle to somebody, but that was, that was world changing for me. That literally changed my world. It went from like, oh, you know, make money, grow business as like your, your everything to my everything becoming so much more. And the business being the same size it is today than it was a few years ago, being a small part in that. And, um, 
And so that's, that's kind of the way I can start to answer that question, but it's, it's a daily, it's a daily thing. And having now worked with him for, um, since 2018, the shamanic deaths happen constantly. And, and another way I describe the shamanic death is like, you're, you're on a journey and you're carrying something with you. And eventually <laughs> it gets too heavy to carry. And like, if we're going to go climb that mountain and we've got all these heavy boulders from things from our past, from our fears, from our limiting beliefs and our self-doubt and our pity and da 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 it's going to get heavier and heavier the higher we climb. There's just no room for that. And so to me, the way the, the shamanic death works is like it gets so heavy and so big and so right in front of you that the actual only pain of the shamanic death is still trying to hold on to it. If, if you're holding a 10 pound boulder or a rock and it becomes a hundred pound boulder, trying to carry around a hundred pounds is painful. Letting it go is freeing. Mm. And so it's, to me, it's been, it's been just a, a constant journey of choosing to look at any adversity, any challenge, anything I'm going through as this is another opportunity to, to shed more of the control that the ego has had over me, um, the toxic aspects or the uh, non-serving, I kind of prefer that better, like non-serving aspects of, um, of the, the ego that's not on step into more of, of who I can be. And um, I'll end this with one last thing because I can go on tangents. So please stop me. But I will say this, you know, Don Javier said something beautifully to me probably about six months ago. And he said, um, you know, the real goal, the true goal is for, is to be free and it's free within us. And that's very interesting because, you know, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs have very high on their um, value scale. Their hierarchy of values is freedom, mm. but a lot of them aren't free. I think a lot of us aren't free. And he said, is to be free within ourselves. He said, so therefore all the crap that we go through, all the problems that come up, all the things that we deal with in our life that we react to, that we get upset about, that we get into our emotions about are just opportunities to show us where we're still not free. Mm. And when I began looking at whatever the challenge, circumstance, problem, breakdown in front of me was through that lens, that changed everything. And um, today I just try to like soak up everything, the good, the bad, the ugly is like, this is a lesson this is here to, um, to teach me something to help me grow. And that's really like, it's like applied spirituality versus like spirituality in a vacuum. Applied and, spirituality. Uh, I like that. Yeah. And it, cause it is like, we're here to, we're here to experience. And so I have a motto. I have a motto today. Cause I've gone through a, a really challenge. Like since I'm working with him, like my life got bumpy and rocky, which is really interesting because like, you know, something he said, really quickly is like, well, when you have access to more light, like the darkness has to come out, mm. you know? And, uh, oh. and I think we were seeing that collectively on, on the planet, like the darkness has to come out, you know? And it's, it's like the whole thing of like the dark, uh, the night is always darkest before the dawn. It's, it's, it's purging, like it has to come out. And so I've had to have a lot of darkness come out from people in my life, like team members, clients, students, like relationships and my own stuff. And it's been this like, whoa, heavy purging, purging, cleansing of my life over the past couple of years. And then as, as you go through that, so much more good. It's just like upgrading. But he also said, and this is, I think, one of the most powerful things is 
is if, if the shamanic death is about a, a letting go or a surrendering to a toxic aspect of the ego, that is that smallest part of you. Um, the other part is to let in. And so he said, you have to let go to let in. And if we really think about it, it's hard for us to do that because it doesn't happen like Indiana Jones style with the, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark and he's switching out the, the gold, uh, you know, whatever that thing was for, for a bag of sand. And it's like instant. A lot of times we're, we're just in the experience of something letting go. Maybe it's a relationship or, you know, like a friendship or something, or it's an old business or an old job or something's being pulled away or blown up in your face. And all we can't help, but look at it through that lens of something's being lost or taken or destroyed or ruined. And when we can train ourselves to say, but perhaps this is making way for something new, better, bigger, and more amazing. Uh, you, you, we have to remember we can't let in until we've let go. And it's, I think that's just happening in every level. It's happening on a 3D level. It's happening on a micro level. It's happening on a macro level. And it's like the better we can be like detached and surrendered to this letting go process or a shedding or a purging, the easier it is on ourselves to, to let in. And um, I hope that makes sense. So much sense. There's just so much to unpack there. First of all, just to say you remain the master of metaphors. So, <laughs> <laughs> what what did I use? What was a good metaphor I used in there? I forgot. The carrying the weight, like carrying a oh, boulder, yeah, yeah. and then you've got to yeah. let it go, and then Indiana Jones. I think there was some more in there as well, but just for you know. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they, someone... I, I I I like to say they call me James Wet a meta metaphor, <laughs> but I, that no one calls me that. I just call myself that. <laughs> you just call yourself that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. because I'm in BBD, and obviously I yeah. hear you. You know. The coaching calls and stuff and just yeah. constant metaphor and it's great and, and, I, and then I'm always like I need a metaphor for this what would James say yes. I know you gotta just call me and be like James I need a metaphor <laughs> for explaining this I'm like I got you <laughs> I'm doing that yeah I'm, I'm actually yeah. doing that you're just gonna get calls from me in the middle of the day I love I need it. a metaphor for this yeah. um yeah no that uh, I'm so glad you went so deep into the the subject of the shamanic death um mm -hmm. because I think for anyone listening and I know, you know, when I, I work predominantly with women and, um, you know, we have this, when we are so deeply in the place of the ego self, the tonal in the 3D, which most of us are until we, you know, can, and, and like you say, it's, it's, it's hard for everyone. It's not like you just get to this point and all of a sudden you just, you just have more awareness of it, but it's like, I yeah. don't want to let go of this. And I don't want to let go of that because if I let go of the, I, I mean, I remember with my, I'm really fortunate to, I always say I live kind of like in my own echo chamber because I've got an amazing community of like-minded friends and my family and everyone. So when everything was happening with COVID and out there, everything was, you know, crazy. I was just kind of trying to stay in my, and that, you know, thank God I had Don Javier at that time to yeah, help uh, guide no me. No kidding. That. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that was, and, and because of that, and because of him, I was able to not be in this level of frustration that some right. of my friends were in and we were talking about yeah. it and I was like we are exactly where we need to be right now we chose and, yeah. and you know Mandy said to me you chose to incarnate here right mm -hmm. now for a reason yeah. and that yeah. helped me so much but I remember one of my friends saying because I was saying you know what if this is this all happening is in order to push us back to basics maybe we're meant to be living on the land 
you know, farming <laughs> yeah. our own stuff, living in communities, raising our children together. And one of my friends who's an actress, she was like, but my career is just starting to take off and I don't want to let go of that. And I just want all mm. this stuff. And, and I was like, I know, I get you. Like, I feel the same, but maybe we're meant to be letting go of that illusion of what we think we, you know, quote unquote want. And um, I just, that was profound. But <laughs> it's funny, just when you were talking about the shamanic deaths, I remember when I first started working with Don Javier, and those first three weeks, I was in this state of bliss. I'd never experienced it before. And I had always heard people in spiritual circles and friends and healers I'd worked with saying, you know, about this state of bliss. And I'd never experienced that. And I was in this state of pure bliss, like pure awareness. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I remember saying it to Brandon, who's one of your closest friends and he said to me yeah it's not gonna last just wait for it <laughs> what a jerk <laughs> and I was what like yeah, I know and I was like hey, like don't crush this for me right now I've never felt anything like this he was like yeah it's not gonna last just wait and then boom like I, I I would say that I've had some mini shamanic deaths but I've had two huge life altering yeah like literally Dang. staring up at the sky asking for answers shamanic deaths since working with Don mm-hmm. Javier and and the reason I'm saying this all like within my own experience and your experience and kind of going deep into this is because I think it's such an integral part of growth for people listening to perhaps right now look at their own things that they're being called to let go of, the things that they're resisting letting go of and thinking, well, okay, maybe that is like you say, choose your hard. You know, you have to choose yeah. your hard. Maybe however hard it seems, whether it's the relationship maybe you've built a business and that business isn't serving you and you need to let it go, but that's really hard, whatever it might be. Maybe you're being called to do that. And when you do do that, things shift immeasurably. So how, I I guess my question now for you Mm -hmm. is how do you move out of that fear of, for example, just say you're running Mm. a business or you're in a job that just doesn't serve you and you know, you can feel it and you're resisting that change. How do you move out mm-hmm. of that fear to yeah. follow what it is you need to be doing? Well, you know, when you say the F word, <laughs> you open up a really huge can of worms. And, um, you know, before I, I start to answer that, I think what was coming up for me is like this whole notion of like, you know, you're, you're here to grow. And if we use like the concept of your higher self, I believe your high, it's like, I think like when people use terms like alignment, um, the, you know, we hear that word a lot. Oh, I wasn't in alignment or I was out of alignment or now I'm in alignment. Like, what the sex does that mean? And, you know, my definition that I'm playing around with right now is like alignment means you're in sync, uh, you're in sync, uh, or in synchronicity with your soul or with your higher self. Like you're in dance together and you guys are just in sync. Um, and I really like that. And so part of being in sync would be to consider or play with the notion that your higher self is calling you to growth. And if you've ever heard, I know if you've listened to the podcast, you've heard me say this one, cause this one really helped me. It's this... I've only listened to every episode everyone's <laughs> ever recorded. So no. <laughs> oh, well, so you'll hear this one. Cause I don't know who said this or where I first heard it, but I really always enjoy it. And it's that thing of, you know, first God throws the pebble. And if, you know, you didn't pay attention. You get the, you get the rock 
And if you're still not paying attention, you get the boulder. So it's like the resistance is futile. That's something Don Javier always says, and our growth is inevitable. And so I look at it as first and foremost, if like, if that's what we're here to do, and that's going to put me in more sync to just be on that trajectory of growth. Do I want the little pebble or do I want the boulder? And when you say I had two big ones, you got a boulder. Mm -hmm. And chances are, again, I'm just making a guess here. You can look back and see, yeah, there were maybe moments, pebbles or, or uh, off ramps where I could have figured this out sooner or quicker, or, or maybe have let this go, you know, and, and it's no judgment on our own selves, no shame or anything, but uh, the writing was on the wall for all of mine. And I chose mm -hmm. to ignore it. And one of the things that he said to me, um, as I was going through something particularly challenging, it was a shamanic death. And he said to me, he goes, you have to understand and see the blessing in this. Because if you don't learn this lesson now, it's going to be way worse with where you're headed. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that people don't understand when we have even just 3d goals in our life. Like I want to start my own business or I want to do my own thing, or I want to write a book or I want to open up a practice or whatever. There's certain things required of you to do that. And a certain way of being and a certain level of skills and lessons and uh, an operating system we need to upgrade, upgrade to. And I believe, so the universe goes, okay, so here's school. And here's all your lessons to teach you that. And so then we get our first boom lesson. So we stop and we freeze and we say, okay, that was painful. I don't want to go. Therefore you won't grow. And so I have to look at those as all the, the this is, this is going to catapult me. This is going to teach me. This is, this is going to help me grow. Okay. So let's talk about fear because fear is a big one. And, and how do we move past the fear? And I've, I've had to, um, I don't know if I'm being like straight up and honest, if I've conquered fear for good in this life, but I've definitely had some really good battles with it. And, um, this has been a big theme in my life because as an entrepreneur, I started a business and I, I, as soon as I started a bit, it was like day one, it was like, oh, I want to start a business. And then day two, my first encounter with fear crept in, which is oh, what if this doesn't work? And this is like the most common thing. The moment someone has a dream, right? Someone has a goal. Someone has a vision for a bigger, better, brighter future. Boom. It's like, but what if I'm going in the wrong direction? What if it doesn't work? What if I fail? What if I'm not cut out for this? All those what ifs. And if you ask anybody to say three what ifs, and just fill in the blank, 99% of the time they go to worst case scenarios. Well, what if it doesn't work? What if it fails? What if no one really goes like, well, what if it's better than I could even imagine, right? So it's this default fear focus. Uh, and that was the first one. And, um, and then I had this really scary, intense um, experience where as I'm building the business, uh, I got extorted and sued and someone was trying to extort me and they found a loophole and um, they wanted to take me down. And I got into a really, really nasty, nasty place of fear. And fear took me down. Um, and, you know, again, like, as soon as we opened the fear thing, I could, like, talk for, for days on it because it's, it's a really fascinating uh, concept. But the short version, I'll say, and it's just up to you if you want to go deeper or go somewhere else with that, because the short version is, is that I... I was able to um, be at peace with it. And obviously the fear, and I'll, just, I'll give my definition of fear, which is really helpful for a lot of people when I share that definition. Um, I when I was able to release the fear, 
it was like all my personal power came flooding back to me. And not only did that person not get a lot of money at all, but I actually, um, that was the year that I took my business to eight figures and we were at 2 million before. So we went from two to 10 million in one year because of that. And I realized how much fear was pervasive in my life. I realized fear was the breaks that I had on in my life that was holding me back in so many ways. And I, I, I believe it is for so many of us. Fear wears many masks, of course, you know, fear can show up for frustration or, or anger um, and excuses and all these other things. So it wears many different masks. Um, and then going through a divorce where all, all of a sudden your ex, you know, and it's legally, you know, can take everything you know, everything you built up, not everything, but half of everything and the value of everything. And it's a lot. And, you know, you, you're facing it on a bigger level. Um, so um, I believe the first thing we need to do is we need to look at fear as this, um, through this lens of this is the opportunity I have to conquer fear. Uh, because what we fear, we give our power away to, and what we fear, we actually set into motion. What we worry about, we create. So what is fear? My definition of fear is, and it's an internal response we experience in the body when we have put our attention on an unwanted future that we actually believe is going to happen. Um, it's usually, it's about a future. Okay. So it's about a future that we are like almost convinced, like to the degree in which you feel the fear is like to the degree of the, of the undesirableness of the future and the believability of it. Um, so if I say like, do you believe like a meteor is going to hit earth tomorrow? Are you afraid that a meteor is going to hurt, hit the earth tomorrow? Most people are like, not really. It's like, cause you don't believe it's going to happen. Right. So the low believability, there's not a lot of fear there, but if you're like absolutely convinced of something, um, and, and it's something you don't want, there tends to be a lot of fear there in our life. Um, so this is really interesting because a lot of it has to do with our relationship with the future. And that's something that's also got me very, very um, intrigued as of the last few years and working with, with Don Javier is our relationship with time. And um, one thing we can all agree on here is that the future is anything but certain. And we're constantly trying to predict it. I mean, even, even brain, the brain and neuroscience tells us there's, there's like no area in the brain that, that is like um, can predict the future. It's using memory. And this is why we have those experiences where we like walk down a set of stairs. And when we're like on our phone and ironically not present, that's a kind of a clue there is when we have that moment where we stumble on the last step, right? Why did we stumble? Because our brain used the past to predict our future for us. So we're using our past to, uh, to predict this future and we're projecting these futures out. And they're these very, for a lot of us, a lot of fatalistic futures. And, um, and what having a spiritual context, I'm, 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 I'm fire hosing you right now and your audience. Great. So it, where anything you want to like, hold on, unpack or whatever, like, let me know. But I want to just hit the bullet points here because, um, uh, and then of course I lost my train of thought, but if we're, if we're, um, if we're, um, you know, if that's, this is what I was going to say when I developed or created or adopted, I think it's a better word, a, a spiritual context for my life it allowed for one thing, which was if this whole definition and relationship with fear and future is, is accurate and resonates for someone, if it doesn't, don't use it, but it, it really helped me, then what it allowed for me through a spiritual context was to be at peace with those 
potentialities with those futures. Why? Because um, first and foremost, I got, instead of saying like, because this is what I think people do with fear, like the friend with the, like, but I wanted to be an actor. That means I'm not going to be an actor. Da, 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 da. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like they're afraid they're not going to be able to follow their dream. They're afraid. And so what they're doing is they're resisting something that hasn't happened because that's a future. That's, that's a possibility out there that we're all going to be farming. There won't be any need for actors and they, they're not going to be able to have their dream job and live their dream life. So that's a potentiality out there in the future. And then they're rejecting that. And so the, the fear remains present or as some form of resistance or uncomfortable, disempowering emotion. Something magical and transformative happens when you can just be at peace with that. And when you can just accept that. And adopting a spiritual context gave me the tools to really do that um, because it changes your values, kind of like what I talked before. And then you start to go like, what, why, what's driving me to be an actor? What's driving me to be a business owner? What really matters about that? And the, the story of when I catapulted the business to 10 million was I realized in that, in that whole inquiry to myself, I kind of coached myself out of that. Self-coaching is wonderful because it's your own insights and discoveries. I realized I wasn't building a business driven by money or material things. I mean, those things are nice, okay? And I'll be the first one. We can have a spiritual conversation. We can say having money is wonderful. Having nice things is wonderful. But there's a material attachment that's going to trip us up um, and be really you know, tricky. And we can talk about that if you want to, but I realized I'm, I'm, I could start any business. I've had so many opportunities come across my desk, but I do this business because I love coaching and I love teaching. Well, why do I do that? Because I could help people. And someone like Lauren, who's on the other side of the world is sitting there saying it changed my life. It, it helped me to start my own podcast. And now I like what, what matters more than that? So here's the thing. When you get down to it and you start to discover what really matters, these are the things that are in more internally driven, more within our control, more operating from our power. So there's really like nothing to worry about. And I really said, wait a second, I'm sitting here worried about the business taken away, but the thing that matters the most, being of service, teaching, coaching, helping, you can't take that away from me. You put me in jail and I'd be coaching my cellmate. You can't <laughs> take that away from me. And, and when I was just at peace with like that, these things could happen, and it doesn't matter because what does matter will not get taken away. There's no fear. And that's how I've really, I wouldn't say like, I don't want to go and make a claim. I've conquered fear in this life. I've had battles with it and it's catapulted the crapola out of me. And there may be another bigger one, but you know, I've had a recent big one where you go through a divorce and all of a sudden there's, you know, the way they do is they're going to value a company and it's this huge multiplier. And then they divide that in half and they say, here, you got to give all that money. And it's like, is this going to take down my company? Mm. And you go, and I've had to learn, you know, and Don Javier has really helped with that. When you're in your personal power, you really, you have to learn how to manage yourself better. And what that really means to me is you're managing where you keep your attention. Most of us aren't doing that because we aren't present all day. We're thinking the same thoughts we thought yesterday, the day before, the day before, and the day before that. So we're on autopilot. And when we're on autopilot, we're susceptible to whatever's getting our attention. And everything out there is designed and really damn good at getting your attention. So you're hooked, 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 hooked. And you have no power or presence to maintain the intention, your attention where it needs to be. And so 
I, I can, I can boil things down to, I always like to make things simple um, for myself. And if it works for me, I like to pass it on to others is like, we can just keep our attention on one of two things, what we want or a problem. And that's really as simple as it is. I can either continue to focus on a problem and feed it, or I can focus on an outcome. And when I focus on, and I'll, I'll get to something else that I think is like really powerful, but when I focus on the outcome or I focus on what I want, there's nothing to fear. And, um, and we can get into the whole, you know, believability of it, but I believe too that any, and I believe this at my core, anytime you are in a negative or disempowering emotion, like fear, you have, it's, you actually, it feels uncomfortable because you've separated yourself from your higher self. Mm. You've separated your perspective and attention is so far away. The gap from your higher self's perspective and yours in the 3D is so far away that it feels painful, emotionally speaking. And when you move up the emotional scale and you, you, you don't move up the emotional scale by trying to be happy, trying to be happy, but by moving your attention and you move your attention, you're moving it closer to the perspective of God, source, your higher self, your soul, whatever you want to call it, or all of it you'll notice that your emotional state changes alongside with it. And I believe that's because we're moving closer to truth. We're moving closer to what your higher self sees and, and knows to be true as that perspective. So if I sat there and said, I'm a loser, I'm a piece of shit. And that feels really bad. It's because I'm, I'm lying to myself and I'm lying to myself because I'm separate. And that's the free will that we have. I've separated myself from that perspective of our higher self. And so that becomes my barometer. And when you know that and you operate from that, like it becomes easier because it's like, I'm living a lie. If, I, if I'm in a bunch of fear or whatever, I'm like, I'm living a lie. That's not, like, where's truth? And I'm, I'm navigating myself back to that. So when you said, like when you first connected and started candles and you're, you had these three weeks of bliss, like the first thing that came to me and heard that is like, that's your reference point. Mm -hmm. That's your way home. So you're going to get lost out there because on this path, the path uh, disappears behind you. And, and it's like that, another Indiana Jones reference. This is the, uh, the, the third one, Raider, Raider, uh, the last crusade. That's what it is. And remember he walked out on that invisible bridge. That's his path. Like it's faith one foot out into the invisible and hoping that it will catch you. Right. And, um, when we get lost or we take a wrong step or we go through a shamanic death, that well-being that you felt, that bliss is like, that's our home beacon because we need to find ourselves back there. We need to go back to that and go, that's, remember what that feels like and remember how to get myself back there. And then anytime I'm out of center, or out of, you know, my center, I know what that feels like and what that looks like. And I have to find myself back there before I do anything. Before anything, you know what I mean? It's like, if I, you know, when you start this episode with like, what you do today for your well-being? It should be like find my well-being and be in my well-being before I do anything. Mm. You know, and that's that's where we find our, that's where we need to find ourselves. And I think that's where we need to operate from. That's where we need to create from. So, is this making sense? Am I making any so sense? much sense? I, yeah, and I'm just really glad that you're not, you know, giving you, you're giving proper James Wedmore answers. So this is what I wanted from this episode. This is how I can give someone else answers if you want. No, 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 no. I didn't get someone else on. I asked you to come on. So this is great. But yeah, I mean, you know, 
they say that there's only really ever two emotions, love and fear. And everything else is umbrella. They umbrella basically everything mm-hmm. else. And fear is the lowest vibrational energy you can be be vibrating at. So then what's that going to bring? And I and, yeah. and I also find like you were talking about, you know, when you are kind of resisting where you're meant to be, and when you actually go towards it. Um and that's always been something very interesting for me because. I feel like, like you say, the writing's on the wall, right? It's there. It's always there. And it's whether we want to do it. And I see with so mm-hmm. many clients, friends, it, it's so obvious, you know, with myself as well. Like, you know, let's be honest, it's, it's always it's so obvious it what we're meant to be doing. And you resist and resist and resist. So then you get the, like you say, these bigger boulders. Yeah. So, you know, maybe one time it's like something smaller and then it's like the breakup of a relationship. And then maybe you get, illness thrown your way because hey you're still not listening let me give you Mm -hmm. something that's going to freaking wake you up you know and and it's and and like right now I've been going through like a smaller with this idea of like I always wanted a more holistic way of education for my children and homeschooling or something along those lines and I've been resisting it since my son started school two and a half years ago and now this again was just all Don Javier guided like he's pushing me or my higher self is pushing me probably and he's just showing me the way like oh no you need to be doing this because this way of doing it isn't in alignment with your truth yeah and it's hard and it's like oh but I'm gonna have less time for my business and oh but I'm gonna just be in the car the whole time and oh but this and all about that but if it's in alignment with your truth what I actually have found and I say this to clients a lot is that when I follow what I'm meant to be doing what I know like my higher self is meant to be doing however on the external it looks in terms of the logic the, the pragmatism around it time expands for me I, yeah that's somehow I, I don't know how because you know we know time is illusion but then people will go but there are 24 hours in a day and how can it expand but somehow you know I did open a business and a podcast and you know all of these things while still having two very young kids and and the, and I still I don't know I just kind of when I'm led to something and I know I'm meant to be doing that thing, I now have to look at it. And I know that if I'm going to resist it, it's just going to get harder for me. So I try to step into yeah. it. And it's not that that fear is not there. It's just like you say, you have a deeper awareness of it and you can self coach, mm-hmm. you can coach yourself out of yeah. it and go, okay, but <laughs> what if it's amazing? What if when you follow that, and this is what I, I found in my life, especially like growing up, with an illness and growing up being, you know, quite sick and different from other children and all that stuff. What if when you do follow it, you are so deeply supported because you're following your highest Mm -hmm. purpose and all these things then start to happen that you couldn't have foreseen where you're being supported in other ways by the universe, God, like you say, your higher self, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I see, you know, it's like I, I work with a lot of women who are in unhappy or unhealthy relationships. And it's like, but if I leave, then this, and if I leave, then this, and maybe there won't be enough money. And maybe, and I just always believe when you're doing it, like you say, from the lens of intentionality with integrity, not doing it from ego or following what you're supposed to be doing, you do get supported. And it's hard to explain that, but the universe then supports you through that. And and I've seen Well, you know, it should be hard to explain. 
Yeah, it should we, be. Yeah, it's very abstract. Because, because it needs to be experienced. And if we could do a great job of explaining it, people maybe wouldn't be as... Um, as eager to try it on for themselves. Mm. And that's the thing is you got to experience it because yeah. it's an experience of unwavering faith. Mm. And when those, when those miracles and sameness come in life, like when you leap the old Zen saying and the net appears mm-hmm. that it's not about the net. It's that it appeared. It's mm. that you leaped and it appeared that becomes the juice that becomes the most exciting aspect of it. And I'm, I could tell you day, I could, we could do a whole two hours just on like a, a year, the last, you know, cause here we are recording in December. Let me give you all those, let me give you all those synchronicity, all those times when it's like, I could have freaked out. I could have fed fear. I could have gone down and somehow miraculously, like I was supported in just mm-hmm. the most unbelievable ways. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, and it's like, and it just becomes like, that's, the joy. I mean, that's incredible. So, you know, don't explain it too much because you want yeah. people to go out and experience it because there's nothing like it. And it, yeah. it, it's, it's an unbelievable way to live your life. And it's, it's a context of everything is happening for me. Yeah. Everything is happening for me. The roomy quote, it's all rigged in my favor. Mm-hmm. Um, um, everything is, is always okay because it always has been and always will be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and then my, my thing of my, my quote that I don't remember if I shared or not, but my motto, which is I'm here for all of it. Mm. it I, I'm here to experience life. I'm not here to survive life. I did for a long time. I tried that, but then I realized I wasn't really living. I want to experience life right. and that experience life. It, you're going to experience such so much deeper level. If, if you're living it, and that means you, you do experience the full range of emotions. You're experiencing fear. You're experiencing letdown and heartbreak and s- sadness. But uh, to the same degree that you experience those, you get the highs. Yeah. And it's, and it's you, just, you just ride the wave. And that's living. I mean, that's just living. It's just, I'm not, I'm not upset that I got in my stuff. You know, I'm not, oh, no, it was a bad day. You know what I mean? It's, it's just like you laugh it off, you shake it off, and you keep going. And um, and I'm, you know, when you're here for all of it, there's an embracing and an accepting of, of the whole totality of life, not just like one band that I want to try to stay in. Right. And I always use the metaphor of movies as a metaphor king here, because I went to film school mm-hmm. and in film school, we learned screenwriting and how to write scripts. And there's something that people don't really understand or know about movies. One of those things is that there is conflict. So there's a, there's a, every page is a minute of, of screenplay, right? So if you have a hundred page script, you have a hundred minute movie and every page in order to make it a good movie, every page has to have conflict, some form of conflict. If, what do you think would happen if there's no conflict in a movie? It'd be the worst movie you've ever seen. That's why it's and, so hard to write a book or a script because you have to put that, even if it's the, the character's internal conflict on the page. Yes. I mean, you just can't have like, hey, Lauren, you want to go get coffee after this? Sure. Okay, great. Wow, that's great coffee. I know. I love my coffee. Oh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Great. The end. Right? <laughs> like, and that's how people are trying to live their life. And we think that that's, that's, the, that's the answer. And um, I will, I mean, I'll tell you, like when you have those moments where you have to have faith, where you have to believe in something bigger, that, that's where, like, 
I believe that's what we came here to experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is like the, the juice and I, and I've had those moments and it's, you become just so incredibly grateful for them. And you're like, that's living, you know? And, and you, when you're grateful for all of that, I mean, I don't know. That's just, it's beautiful. Okay, so one of the challenges I hear from you guys the most is how hard it is to drop into meditation or even to relax and just feel calm. And you know I speak a lot here about how our bodies have not evolved to manage the level of stress we're faced with today, which means we're constantly in fight or flight mode with our sympathetic nervous systems always activated, which we know leads to depression and anxiety and also chronic health problems. If we want to be well, we have to find ways to mitigate this we have to do that ourselves and I believe in merging natural daily practices with the kind of health tech that enables us to counter and mitigate the challenges that modern life throws at us and the sensate is one of those products and I want to tell you about it so the sensate is a small palm-sized device that sends infrasonic waves through the chest in order to activate the vagus nerve and calm the autonomic nervous system which is the body's command center Together with the specially composed hemispheric audio within the app, you will literally feel calmer after only a short session. I give this to anyone I'm with if I have it on me, which I usually do, and everyone has the same response. It's amazing and I already feel less stressed and where can I get one? Now I'm particularly recommending the Sensate to anyone who suffers from anxiety and wants to help calm the nervous system, those who want to deepen their meditation practice, and people who are looking for ways to be calmer and more grounded. Now most of you know I work with a shaman and he has taught me that our higher intelligence places ideas of health technology in the minds of those who can create and invent these products and i truly believe this to be the case with things like the aura ring the summer vedic even diagnostic devices in hospital and for me i believe that to be true with the sensate we have lived for too long in a high stress state we need more to help us counter that so you can get 20 pounds off the sensate by visiting getsensate.com that's g T-S-E-N-S-A-T-E.com and using the code Lauren20. That's getsensate.com and the code Lauren20. Thank you to Sensate for partnering with Reconditioned. And now back to the episode. Yeah. And I heard this once. I don't I don't know where it who said it to me. I can't actually remember, but it's this idea that kind of we're all trying to reach this perfection and this enlightenment and be, you know, <clears throat> spiritual beings or whatever, and maybe like once we're not living this human life things will be perfect but even the the beings that were perhaps incarnated here before and I do believe this I don't know why but this is a truth for me might be looking down and going but you know we don't get to experience anymore Um, you know, the smell of a forest or how it feels to sit and watch a sunset or even like you say, like heartbreak, how awful that can be. But to get to experience those emotions means you have a depth of living. And I think there is so much beauty in that. And I remember- We begged to come down here. Totally, yeah. We begged to have this. And, um, you know, someone asked me recently, like when I shared a lot of like challenging things I'd gone through and they said, um, how do you like the kind of same kind of stance around the same thing we've been talking about was like, how do you be okay with that? Like, how have you been okay? Like, how have you thrived? And they said, well, 
whenever anything has gotten tough, as you said, to stop and remind myself, I chose this. Mm-hmm. And I believe we choose things on a three-dimensional level and in a higher dimensional level. And it's the same thing that you're saying is like, we chose this. We signed up for this, mm-hmm. the good, the bad, and the ugly. And something unbelievably phenomenally magical happens when you take a look and you, you stare right in the eye of something you're going through, a challenge, just, just something heartbreaking, heart-wrenching, something, something hard and difficult. And you find a way to, to um, be present to a context of seeing this as a, uh, I chose this. Mm-hmm. I, in some way, created this, chose this, or signed up for it. Mm-hmm. And it's, I believe that brings us right back into that soul alignment. Because I believe when we talk about manifesting, we're not just manifesting a new car and a new house our higher self is manifesting the mountain for us to climb. We're manifesting mountains. We're manifesting obstacles for us to overcome. You want to, you know, and a classic example I give my entrepreneurs is they say, I want to be a famous influencer on the internet. And so if you were to be a famous influencer on the internet, you'd have to be really good at putting up with criticism and ridicule and judgment, right? Because you might have couple thousand people that want to say, you're a loser, you suck, blah, 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 because that's the internet. And that's what people do on there, right? So, so the universe or your higher self goes, okay, you want to be this person. So I got to train you how to do that. So I'm going to manifest your first hater mm-hmm. so that you can learn how to deal with one. And then I'm going to manis- manifest three, four, until you conquer that. And in that regard, you, you chose that because you, you chose to have, I want to have that level of success or result or whatever. And here's what comes with that. So I signed up for this. And that's really hard for a lot of people to do. You know, when we have something tragic happening in our lives, something just heartbreaking to sit there and say, yeah, I choose this. Like, look at this, you know, toxic positivity a-hole here and, you know, call it what you want. But um, when I chose to look, it's not burying my head in, in the sand. It's, it's an, it's, and it's not like, this is just happy. I'm happy. No, it's, it's an, a powerful acceptance of, I chose this obstacle. I chose this pain. I chose this experience and I'm going to go through it as powerfully and as presently as I possibly can. There's nothing, you know, in the toxic positivity about that. It's, it's, no. it's powerfully present to this is what's right in front of me. And I can turn my head and resist it all I want, but it's not going away until I accept that this is what I have to face next mm-hmm. in my life. And I believe the faster we do that, the faster we get on the other side of it. Yeah. Um, and, and just while we're talking about kind of the, the difficulties you've, you've been through recently, I just, I know you lost your father recently. So I just want to take a moment. Actually, it's just a one year anniversary, like just the other day. Oh, wow. I was at my live event less than 60 minutes from going live on day one of an event with over a thousand people when I got the news. So I had heard the news and then I'm going out onto the stage within 60 minutes. That was, that was heavy. That was, uh, that was really intense, but, uh, yeah, he, he passed away, passed away a year ago. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of take a moment to acknowledge that and, um, just send you love. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, um, 
you know, it's really interesting to me because um, it wasn't a hard uh, experience at all for me. It was, it was entirely the opposite. Mm. Um, and I gained more than I lost. And that ain't some flowery thing. Like my dad in the physical was very 3D, didn't understand any of the stuff like my mom, my sister and I were doing. We were all just like total weirdo hippies to him. And, um, and I always tried to like explain it in a very logical scientific way. And, and he just wasn't, wasn't interested. And so the more that that spiritual aspect of your life, you know, you take on the bigger that becomes a part of who you are. And so as I got older, um, I felt like more disconnected from, from my father and the living. And so in his, in his passing, uh, I connected with them in an entirely new way Wow! in a way that was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like I get you kid, you know? And it was, it was unbelievable and beautiful. And like, and my sister and I like connect with them all the time and, you know, have dreams with them and it's, it's unbelievable. And, um, and, and powerful. I don't know. Like it was just, a, it was really weird. Cause it just, I was maybe expecting it to be like, you know, obviously there's a, I was moved emotionally but there was, there was like, there wasn't a, um, there wasn't a sadness. I mean, there was crying and emotion and, and, and just power, but it wasn't, it wasn't a sadness, which is really, was really interesting. Cause I was expecting, I was kind of afraid that, it, you know, I was like, I have, this was the first like close person in my life, let alone immediate family that was passing. And, um, it was the opposite. It was one of the most powerful experiences in my life. And here's what I believe why Don Javier had coached me through this because my dad had gotten sick. He'd gotten, um, well, the beautiful version, if I can share the full story, version of the story is I got to tell my dad, uh, I love him for the first time as an adult male about a month before he got, uh, his first set of strokes after he got the strokes, he was very like, wasn't a hundred percent there. So it was a two plus year decline, you know? So you had a lot of like, you know, it wasn't tragic and sudden. I think that really helped. But um, as it got closer, Don Javier said, the, the most powerful, profound thing when it comes to, to death, you know, because obviously none of us are getting out of this alive. And um if, if we're blessed to have another day and more days than others, then we're going to experience death around us. And he said, if you, um, if you look at death, it'll be one of the most painful things ever. But if you see it, and he said, if you see your father's death, it will be one of the most beautiful transformative experiences ever. And so I went into that understanding the distinction and the difference between looking and seeing and looking is obviously 3d. I mean, we were in there at the end and you could see, you know, like a 3d physical body that was like in hospice care and like unconscious. And you're looking at that. And I could oscillate between looking and, and seeing. And when I saw like I felt and I experienced and I realized 
like I was I was aware of who he really was and and so much more of a, of a presence than what you you know we would just look through with our eyes and it was for that that it was like it was so beautiful and profound and you know I don't talk about it with that many people because I don't know who's like even open to it or or whatever or if that sounds weird or if you know some people get really uncomfortable or you know I've had some really hard experiences and don't want to but you know, it, it's, it's one, it's the elephant in the room for everybody. Like we're can't get out of this one alive and other people aren't either. And what a gift to begin to create a different relationship with, um, with death. And I read something really, really interesting, just to go on a tangent. Cause, cause death is, is, is obviously like the, the enemy that we can't conquer, like, you know, but it's such a great teacher. And there's a fantastic book. It's called, I forget the name of the author, so I apologize, but it's called The Time Paradox. And it's these social psychologists that have done like 20 years, like two decades of research into people's relationships with time. And they said one of the most fa fascinating things that they, they, they found in all their studies was, um, and it just like aligns with everything that we've, we've learned from Don Javier, is that, is that the notion of death is they, they did the studies and for everybody, it's like the biggest fear, right? Um, you know, people said it's like, it's like public speaking, but they say that they, they believe through their research that death is such a big fear for people that they've, we all find a way or the brain finds a way to like hide it from us. And it's true. We live our life unaware and unpresent to the fact that we are going to die. They said, unfortunately, what comes with that, obviously it's good that we're not just like living in that fear all day, but what comes with that brain's ability to kind of like suppress that fact from us is it also creates this simultaneously kind of creates this like well if we're not going to die then we're going to live forever and if we live forever then it's not time isn't really that valuable because we have so much of it mm -hmm. and when when we have so much time we're vampires living forever we're never going to die then we're not really treating life or the moment in a way where we can all agree when we're faced with the truth of it, that every moment is precious. And we, so we don't start that podcast. We don't start that business. We don't go through that divorce and we just stay in something that we're, we know is not where our heart is meant to be, or we don't reunite that relationship with that estranged parent or family member, you know, because we've decided through that whole chain of thinking that like, ah, I'll live forever. Even though we don't say that part consciously, there's this, this notion that, that we will and that time isn't really that valuable. And when, when you have a death in your life, it, it, for most of us, forces us to bring that all up mm. and remember the preciousness of, of, of life, the, how short and how fast it goes. Mm -hmm. And, and what are we going to do with the time that we have? And, um, that's something I always want to bring into my life because I'm guilty of it where I think we all are. And it's like, I can be guilty of wasting days or weeks doing things that like, if this was my last week or if my last year, would I be doing that? You know what I mean? And to keep that in the foreground as we contemplate what we choose to do with our life, I think, in that way, it becomes a phenomenal teacher for us. 
Thank Anyways, you so I go I on tangents. No, I love the tangents. You know, I'm so grateful. Just cut it. If you don't that. like it, Lauren, just cut it. I'm not cutting anything, okay? James. I'm not cutting it. <laughs> I just, I'm really grateful that you shared that, you know, just very personal experience. And it's, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate. And, and you know, I was really fortunate. My my grandparents were spiritualists and I was, and my mom's, you know, super, I was never brought up with any fear around death. Mm-hmm. So I've never had a fear of dying, even when I was young. And although what I, you know, I had arthritis from when I was two, it wasn't fatal, but there were people that I knew because of the medications and complications who died. So I I, I was kind of like a bit closer to it than maybe other kids. But um, more recently, last year, probably very much around the same time that your your dad died, I went through a very near death experience. I had a very traumatic ectopic pregnancy and it ruptured and um oh my gosh my whole pelvis filled with blood and and I was um divinely guided I don't know around the right people at the right time and I happened to be in the hospital because there was this amazing nurse who knew something wasn't right and told me to come back on a Sunday had I not have been in the hospital when it ruptured I would have died and um the, but the less so now had I not been doing the work I'm doing with Don Javier and, and going kind of deep into into this work maybe I wouldn't have seen the lessons in losing a baby nearly dying you know but what's come up for me from that is exactly what you've just said and I'm only sharing this just because I know other people will will have had similar experiences you know and it showed me where I needed my focus to be right now and to stop thinking about the future and to be present right now. There were so many, you know, the grief, the grief has gone through many layers, losing a baby, the idea of never having another baby, all of that. But the grief that's really stuck is the non-grief of I could, I was so close to dying that my children would have grown up without a mother. Mm. And how fortunate we all are now that that isn't the case so how can I embrace that and give them all of me instead of being so focused in my business and I need to grow my business and so they need so that's why all this decision to kind of take my son out of the school he was in and go through a more holistic approach and all these things that I was had the fear coming back to the fear of time and all of that kind of stuff now it's been more again maybe that however even though it was like super traumatic maybe that was a shamanic death in itself you need to let go of this striving ambition Mm -hmm. and be more present and when you do actually things expand and yeah funnily enough I'm in my business less and doing better so who knew you know well you knew because you were (laughs) (laughs) who knew oh James knew James knew James knew all this time um no. Let's just, I, I just want to, you did mention manifestation. I'd like to go into manifestation sure. when it comes to finances, if you're okay with that. Of course. Um, and in terms of, and, and there's a quote that you use that I use, I've totally stolen it from you. So, you know, um, oh, good. Cop- copyright there, but. <laughs> when you value your time as much as you value money, you'll find yourself with plenty of both. Was it that one? That too, but no. Okay. Um, I was trying you- to guess. <laughs> you say that manifestation is a result of oh. your dominant frequency. Yes. The yeah. The physical by the physical byproduct. Byproduct. Or 3D, exactly. Uh, so literally, like word for word. So, yeah. <laughs> and you yeah, obviously are way more eloquent with it. So, can you take us into that? 
into um, into the manifesting. The, your, well, your dominant frequency being um, your your, yeah. your manifestations being the byproduct of your dominant frequency and how that relates with finances. Love it. Okay, so we can talk about this from both ends because um, we start to we start to develop a relationship with money at like age two. And I know that because I watched my nephew at age two at a breakfast table restaurant on Sunday, passing out sugar packets to us. Like it was money. He goes a dollar for you and a dollar here and a dollar for you. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, this kid's already deciding and being inputted programmed into what money is, what it isn't, how to get it, how to spend it. Da, 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 right. So um, holy cow. So there's a whole world of a lifetime of programming people have about money. Even just begin to start to pay attention how you feel as you're listening to me talk about money. And that's an indicator because the emotional, we could say if, if we want to manifest something, we say, what does manifesting mean? It just means the, that, that, um, the physical byproduct of the dominant frequency that we hold. Well, we can get a good sense of what that frequency is by the way we feel. So when we, you know, if we separate it into positive and negative or good feeling emotions, not good feeling emotions or empowering versus disempowering, I really care how we want to label them with whatever works for you. Um, when it's lower on that, you know, um, we could say lower frequency could say it doesn't feel good. We could also say separation from my, our higher self. And so What's causing that? See, that's the emotion. I like to, to, to look at it as the emotion you feel is the indicator of the frequency. It isn't the frequency. It is the, it's the barometer. So like it's the dial telling you where you are on the radio. Okay. So what the, what's moving that dial, what changes that? And it's, it's really like everything that's within us. And a lot of that has to do with where our attention is, the programming that we have, the thoughts that we think, but they just don't, they don't feel like thoughts. They feel like facts. They feel like reality. So for example, I'm just going to give, you know, one here, someone could be listening and saying, oh, great. I'm going to talk about money. Money's so unspiritual. Why is this guy talking about money? Well, there you go. It's a great example of one. Okay. Or... Oh, geez, this is, I'm not a business owner. I'm not interested in money. There you go. Okay. So there's just like these matter of fact ladies. Okay. And so if, if you told me I want X amount of dollars and you go, but money isn't spiritual and I'm not a business owner, those don't vibrate, aren't a vibrational match. They don't align with, you know, I want a million dollars. I don't know. I'm just making up a number. I'm not saying that's what people should want. I'm not saying money will make you happy uh, at all. It's the opposite. It's being happy will actually make you more money. It's higher frequency will make you happy. Um, but it's those, it's those thoughts that don't feel like thoughts. It's just they're, they're building blocks for your reality that just won't match up with that. Um, you know, I don't have anything of value. I don't have anything to sell. I don't have anything to offer. I don't have a job. I don't have the time. Blah, 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 blah. True or not, I'm not arguing the validity of them. Hear me closely. I'm not arguing the validity of them because you could sit there and say, I don't have a lot of time. And, and, and someone will say, how dare you, James? Like, talk about that like I'm a mom. I have... 25 children's and children and a, you know, house to clean every day is like, I'm not saying 
that you do have a lot of time and you're lying to me. What I am saying is that if you say I don't have a lot of time, therefore I can't make the money I want, then you're lying to yourself. And that's what is like, to me, the first step to any type of manifesting is, is there, is there a vibrational match in my attention, in my thinking, in my programming with the outcome that I want, you know? So if we sit there and say, I want to build the business and homeschool my kids, but I can't do both. It's the, but I can't do both that causes the problem because it's like, whatever I speak is what is so. So instead it just becomes, uh, uh, that self-coaching I talked about. It's an inquiry. It's an outcome-oriented inquiry through questions. What would it look like to, ha- to run a business that I love, be the best damn mom out there, and homeschool my kids? What would that look like? How would that need to happen? How would that need to unfold so that everyone's happy and I get all the things that I want? Most people don't do that. They argue for their limitations. They say, here's what, let me tell you why it won't work. Let me tell you why it's not possible. Let me tell you why that's ridiculous. Let me tell you why that's unreasonable, right? Illogical. And I just don't play there. I just don't. I used to. So I know what that feels like. I know what that looks like. And I won't today. And today there's like extraordinary miracles and unbelievable things that happen in my life because I, 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 I believe in the impossible, and that's what I want to do. I want to make the impossible possible. What would it look like to, you know, move to Sedona and go on a spiritual path and continue to grow my business? You know, um, <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> here's a crazy one. Like when, when I went through uh, a divorce and I'm out here in Sedona, it's this, it's, this is a true statement. Um, average age is 55 out here. So I'm, I'm like late 30s. And I'm, you know, there was a part of me that I could have fed of like, I'm just going to be alone and single or, you know, date an older woman, you know, that's probably married, you know, like, no, that can't happen. So, you know, and through unbelievable miracles and manifestations, uh, I fall in love with my old um, college sweetheart and she doesn't live in Sedona. She lives in Texas and she, um, she was dreaming of Sedona. She said, I kept having these dreams of these red rocks. And uh, when I took her out here the first time and she saw those red rocks, she was in tears. And she said, this is the place I've been dreaming of. And she ended her lease on her place. And now we live here in Sedona. It's like, you, I could have convinced myself that that's not possible. None of this is logical. Like, just is ridiculous. Da, 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 da. And I could have argued for my limitations all day long. Or I can cultivate a space of infinite possibility and miracles in my life. I've had a, another little phrase I've used since the inception of my podcast back in 2016, which is always leave a margin for miracles. Like, why not? You know, what's the harm in dreaming and feeling good? Well, I don't want to be disappointed. It's like, well, that's a conversation of detachment. Um, but you know, like get over it, like dream a little bit more and, and, and wish a little bit more and, and invite some magic into your life. And when we talk about money, there's a whole world. I mean, we could do a 10 hour podcast about money, but here's the biggest thing is like, if you got all the money stuff, drop the money stuff. Okay. And just focus on, um, abundance because abundance is money is a, is a means that's not the end. Okay. 
Uh, money is a tool to get you what you want. So just focus on what you want. Stop, you know, if you, if you have a, if you notice, you know, I got a lot of money stories. Like I hate spending money. I don't like looking at money. I can't even look at my bank account, blah, 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 like all that money stuff. And a lot of us have that. We're going to have to work through that and we should, but just focus on things that you want. And here's the story that I love telling. And be like the 30 second version of the story. And it actually, um, maybe you've heard this story because you've listened to the podcast. Probably. And it's the story of my first time I practiced manifesting and got what I want, wanted. And it was the story of how I got the Tony Robbins tickets. Do you remember this uh, story? Yeah, you... yeah, yeah. I remember the story. Yeah. Well, it was for my girlfriend, which is Jen, um, who was my college girlfriend. And I just love, I... I love your story. I just love the story of how you two. So she, she was the one who came into my life and starts telling me all this weird manifesting woo-woo nonsense. And I'm like, get out of here. I'm building a business. <laughs> like this isn't unicorns and rainbows nonsense. And by the way, that's like my style. Is like, I, I actually love bringing the logical skepticism to all this. I like not taking it too seriously because I think we want to have, should have fun and be lighthearted and not take ourselves too ser seriously because you don't want anyone here getting a big spiritual ego and thinking that they're own, their, their own deity and they know everything. And this is just me practicing and learning things and integrating and applying and then passing on what I've learned and saying and inviting people to try it on themselves, but not thinking that I know anything or I'm some kind of guru in that sense because you know, you're your own guru in that way. James, uh, you are my guru. <laughs> I reject your invitation. <laughs> Um, so, uh, this is like 2009 and Jen at the time we were dating and broke and I was like living in my parents' basement and she wanted tickets to Tony Robbins. I'm Tony Robbins. I'm Anthony Robbins. Get it done. Take action. I'm like, all right, let's do this Tony Robbins thing. I call him up and I'm like two tickets to Tony Robbins, please. And they're like, that'll be a thousand dollars. I think I had $500 to my name. I asked them, the person on the phone, do you do payments? She literally laughed at me. I still don't understand. Like, what a rude thing. It's like, no, we don't do payment plans. Like, you won't break it up into two payments of $500 as I can pay right now. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me see what I can do. I hung up the phone. I went, uh, checked my bank account to see exactly how much I had. I had 37 cents or some ridiculous, like less than a dollar to my name. I had forgotten to turn off for my business. Any business folks in the room will know what I'm talking about here. I'd forgotten to turn off my Google AdWords spending. And it had just withdrawn $500 Ooh. directly from my bank account. And it took me less to a dollar to my, how pathetic was I? I was in my, all my pity and self-loathing. I couldn't even get my freaking girlfriend a Hallmark birthday card. I couldn't even afford that. That's why how much of a loser I thought I was. And um, I was at my low point. Here I was rejecting all this law of attraction, the secret mumbo jumbo nonsense and working harder than anybody has ever worked. I mean, literally, I got addicted to Adderall, 20 milligrams of legalized speed will drop you down to 140 pounds. And I'm working from the moment I got up until like two in the morning. It was intense. It was not pretty. And I had nothing to, years of this, I had nothing to show for it. And now I'm at a low point. And it's these low points that are just so beautiful because when we're in that type of pain, that shamanic death, this is that little boulder or a rock. This wasn't a boulder as much as it was a rock. It forces us to pay attention. And I, I had a one of my first breakthroughs in my life because what I did, and this is why I'm telling this story, instead of focusing on manifesting the money, 
I said, I'm going to try this manifesting thing. But I said, wait a second, wait a second. I just thought I was so brilliant at the time. I was like, why am I focusing on manifesting a thousand bucks? Why don't I just focus on manifesting the effing tickets? And I just sat there and I got quiet and I, I made a decision in my mind. And I think decision, true decision is one of the most powerful things we can do. And you look at the Latin root of decision, decide, side, it's to cut off. It's to cut off any other alternatives, any other potentialities, but this one. And then it was charged by love. It was charged by love because I said, this isn't for me and it's not about me. This is what this person I love wants. And I'm, God damn it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make this fucking happen. And that's where I was. That's like, it was like, because it's for her. And if it's the last thing I do, I'm going to do this. And I just, I, it was like this, there was like that masculine and the, the feminine just combined with it. it was like this knowing and this whatever it takes in the decision. But then it was like this faith and the surrendering to like, I don't know how, but it's happening. And it was the blending of those both. And the feeling was just the knowing. And that's where we want to find ourselves. Two days later, I'm back in my hustle, hustle, Adderall, 14 hour days, you know, because that's what we do. We do our five minutes of, of, of magic and then we go back to who we were. And I get a, a text. And the text is from an old friend I haven't heard from for months, as the story always goes, right? It's always like something out of the blue happens. But long story short, she goes, you want to play tennis? I'm like, no, I'm working 14 hours a day. I figure out how to manifest these. That's what I'm saying to myself, right? But I go, okay, fine. Let's go play tennis. I could use a break. And we start playing. And within the first 30 seconds, we're warming up, you know? And she's telling me, she's asking me what I'm telling her. She's like, catch me up to speed. What are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to do this service right now. And I'm starting this new idea and blah, blah, blah. And it was for these videos I was making. Cause that's what I used to do is make videos. And she goes, Oh, will you make one of those for me? She goes, I'll barter with you. I'll trade you Tony Robbins tickets. <laughs> I dropped my racket and it was like an expensive racket. So I shouldn't have dropped it like that. And I just had like chills go through my, my, my spine. I said, what did you say? And she goes, Tony Robbins. He's in town in like two weeks in long beach. And I used to work there. I know reps. I get free tickets oh. every every time he comes to town. I'll trade you tickets if you'll make me this sales video thing that you're doing. And that's exactly what happened. And that's exactly what I got. And that's Boom. when I first realized like, oh, dang, this stuff works. And the big reason I shared that story was because I just focused on the thing I wanted, not the money. Mm because money was the means to the end. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of times we think that having a business that makes more money will give us something and it can, but you know, when I took the business from two to $10 million, the only difference that changed in my life was I was able to buy more homes and buy them easier. Now I buy investment real estate and that's wonderful too, but my quality of life didn't change. Didn't get better all of a sudden. I didn't become happier. I didn't become more significant or worthy or, enough or any of that nonsense mumbo jumbo. In fact, when my business after about, I would say, I mean, in all honesty, like 150,000 in revenue, I was, I was like sitting pretty. I got my first little place. It was a little apartment, a little bachelor pad in Laguna beach, California. It was a three and a half minute. I timed it like three minutes and 36 second walk to the beach surfing twice a day, had my little place. And I was, I was sad. And, um, I've always tried to 
maintain that. So if it's just more money, to me, it's like more money is just like more opportunity to do more things. Mm -hmm. For example, I may not at those earlier levels be willing, be able to do a podcast like this because I've just been doing a little bit more of it myself. But today, because I have a team that the money pays for, mm -hmm. I don't have to do as much stuff myself. So I have time to do on a, do a podcast or go speak at someone's event or mastermind or whatever. And when you realize that like money is just a tool and it's just, how are we using that tool? And then sometimes you can just bypass the tool and just focus on, well, what's the thing I want? And miracles happen every day when we invite them in, when we start to notice them and recognize them. There's already a lot of miracles that are happening and we just don't do that. Let me give you an example. Um, one of my employees was not feeling well and she was kind of getting concerned and she prayed on it. And I even like lit a candle and did like a little ceremony and like, and, and she's on the list to work with, with Don Javier. And then um, the next morning, I just happened to read through one of the healing remedies that he has. And she just mentioned, my team member just mentioned something briefly that afternoon. And I go, oh my gosh, this is going to help you. And she's like, yeah, that was, and she said that thing that we all do. She's like, it's probably just coincidence, but that's what I just like prayed for. And like even lit a candle for and did a little ceremony for last night, asking for guidance on this. Mm -hmm. I'm like, don't do that. This is not coincidence. And we got to stop that. We got to stop discounting and discrediting the magic and the, the, the miracles that are, that are everywhere. It's just, that's just a, it's probably just a coincidence. Like why, why do that? First of all, what good does that do to like, it's like smearing paint on Disneyland. It's like you, you, you could choose to see the, the, the magic and uh, of, of life and everything's in Technicolor. We can just like smear paint on it. And say, ah, it's just coincidence. And, oh, okay. You know, how deflating, how boring. It's just a, co it's just the randomness of coincidence versus like, no, I set my intent. And in a way that my human brain could never comprehend timelines shifted, mountains moved and people, places, and things conspired in such a way to present to me something that I couldn't even write a story about and plan. Mm. And here it is in front of me. That's a miracle. That's incredible. Yeah. And that's happening to us every day. All the time. And we every don't day. even acknowledge that those things are miracles. I've had so many of them constantly having them. And, and, and that's the abundance, the, the yeah. recognizing of those miracles and being able to get to, to know how abundant you are for them. And that that's the abundance, right? So when people say, but you know, I'm visualizing and I've done my vision board and I see myself as being rich and, and it's like, oh, but that's where you're repelling it because you're actually not feeling. Oh, when you're saying that, when you're saying now, yeah. Yeah. And, and my example I always give of this is when I was sick and I was, I mean, I, I was wheelchair bound. I was like, couldn't move any, had no use of my limbs, couldn't feed myself, nothing. And I made a decision. I was 
going to get better. Like I just made a decision. Yes. And the thing is, I had no reference for that. I had never been well my whole life. I was diagnosed before I was two. I didn't know what it felt like to be in an able body. Mm. And when wow. it got as bad as it could possibly have got when I was 18, 19, and I should have been at university and traveling and I was in a wheelchair and, and I was like, and I don't know how this came to me. And I just think that this was because I was always guided and always had that. I don't, even if I didn't know it was happening, although, you know, I had a lot of spiritual people around me, so I, maybe I did, I don't know, but I had the difference there was I knew and this took a long time to get to it I remember saying to myself okay I don't have any use of my limbs I can't use my fingers or my jaw or my elbows or my legs or whatever but my organs are all working and like my blood's okay yeah and I you know I had I have hair back because I I was on a chemo drug and I lost half of my hair so my have my hair back and like all this other stuff is working and like how much harder would it be if I didn't have my, like if one of my organs was failing or, and I remember that being the turning point. And ever since then, every time that I have any sort of sickness, like, you know, like you've got a bad stomach or something and maybe this is graphic or whatever, but I always think like, not that this happens often, but if it does, like just say you're on the toilet and like you've just got a really bad stomach. I think to myself, what if I was like living in a slum in India Mm. and I had dysentery Mm. but I'm like in my nice bathroom here and I've got bleach and I'm like everything's okay that's the abundance and I think if people kind of see abundance as the abundance is when you've got the money when you've got the riches but the abundance is seeing the abundance you already have even in the dire situation yes absolutely well even just go back to like what that to give that example of that person saying I I don't get it because I see myself rich Right. Okay. So 99% of the time when people say that, it's true. They see themselves. Now, just everyone listen very closely because they're just going to slow this down. They see themselves rich. So they're in their mind's eye, they can see themselves and they can see them rich. But they see themselves so that they're seeing themselves from outside themselves. So it's not integrated. It's not one in the same. It's like, yeah, anybody can describe a mental picture of a mansion and then a picture of themselves in that mansion for a moment. Anybody can do that. You know, I can go take a picture from a magazine and then a picture of me and put it in front of it, look at it for a few minutes and close my eyes and look at it again. You know, and then we call that manifesting. It's like, well, maybe all I'm just manifesting is pictures of me in front of a mansion, right? But am I embodying and integrating that abundance, as you're saying, and that frequency of saying of you in it, seeing it through your eyes and, and, and experiencing it through your senses and living it in your own body? Mm-hmm. And that becomes a different, a different story. Right. Because then you're vibrating and, at a higher frequency that then calls in the actual abundance. Yes. And, you know, have some freaking patience because Rome wasn't built in a day. And I look at what I did and I'm going into 16 years of doing what I do. Okay. And that's building a business. Um, and it's done very well. And I've been very grateful and very excited. And it was about four and a half, five years of nothing. Mm-hmm. 
I loved what I was doing. So that helped keep it going, but it was four to five, four to five years of nothing. And then the next year it, it popped, did a hundred K and then in sales. Okay. So some people that aren't business minded, just think it's just money. It's like, no, this is a, a sales in a business. There's expenses, obviously there's taxes, there's payroll, there's all kinds of stuff, you know? And, um, but it did hundred K and then it doubled to 200 and then it doubled to 300. And then, so now we're at like seven years of business and then year eight, it goes to a million mm. year nine. It's at 2 million year 10. It's at about just over two, 2.2. And then it was like year 11 and it just goes to 10. How many people do you know have been at something like that? A goal, a dream for 10 years of their life. Mm, so good a lot of people want to say, oh, James, I, you're, you know, uh, whatever. No, like, I've just been doing this for a long time. That's all it is. Yeah. Most people aren't willing to do that. This year I chose to take up guitar, like I mentioned in the beginning. And uh, I wanted to do it for several reasons. I always have to have many reasons if I'm going to commit to something, but I want to get really good at it. And I've been practicing, I think I've, in, since uh, May, I think about May 15th is when I started, give or take one or two. Didn't days. it used to be the ukulele one? You playing the ukulele before? Yeah, I was playing the, the ukulele and I was really undisciplined and, and diligent, not diligent with it um, and just couldn't get into it. Um, it was either like songs were too easy and didn't sound like, like the actual song because it's only four strings, you know? Uh, or you're just strumming and it was just like, okay, so like really the ukulele is great for someone that wants to sing along because it's very basic. So you like want to sing a simple song. And I was like, I, you don't want to hear me sing. Okay. That's all. No. So I started in May and I think I can count on one hand, the amount of days I have not picked up that guitar wow. three, four days max. It's been in my hands every day. And I'm not always practicing at a deep level of practice where there's a lot of progress, a lot of times it's just moving the fingers and just keeping it warm, you know, like just, let's just go over what I've done, but I'm not improving. I'm just maintaining. There's been a lot of maintaining, you know, let me just make sure I still know this song and I see if I can get a little better at it versus learning a new song or a new technique. But, and some days that's fine. It's just like, whatever. Um, but holy cow to see whatever that's been, you know, six months. Right. Um, the progress has been unbelievable to, to experience and see growth is really cool. Um, and it keeps you grow, going. And then of course it becomes exponential. Why am I saying this? What does this have to do with anything? It has everything to do with everything because a lot of times when we're not getting what we want, it actually comes down to skill building. Like, People talk a lot about habits today and I love habits, a great conversation, but habits is really like, to me is like the underbelly of skills. Like if I habitually pick up the guitar and practice certain things, I'm going to develop the skill. And when I develop the skill, I get better at producing the result. So whatever our pursuits are in life, there's skills required. Manifesting is a freaking skill. So Practice manifesting. Uh, we do it once. It didn't work. And we, go, we either say one of two things. I'm no good at this. Or it doesn't work. Mm. Or you've never intentionally, consciously done it. So you're doing it kind of blind because it's an internal process. So you don't have much of a frame of reference for it. 
even though that's silly because I could sit there and say, list out 10 miracles that happened in your life that you're grateful for. And we could actually reverse engineer how you cause those into being, pop them into your hologram, but they're skills. So I, I know how to manifest because I've done it before and I have the experience. So when you have the experience, you have confidence, confidence leads to confidence, and it leads to a quantum exponential result. So there's a skill of manifesting. If you're in business, there's business skills, there's marketing, sales, communication, leadership. These are all skills. Guitar, it's a skill. And, you know, when, when you choose to see it that way, it's just to see even spirituality as a practice. It's something I can, I can get better at. I can get better at, like, we can look at being present as a skill. We can look at meditation as a skill, quieting and silencing the mind, a skill, uh, what we feed and where we move our attention. It's a skill. So it's a discipline. It's a practice. And you just, I'm going to get better at this. So the first freaking two months of guitar, I was awful, so bad. All of a sudden I'm going, wait, I'm actually seeing progress. And then I got to a certain level where I was like, whoa, I can learn a song super fast. Like this is incredible. And it's, it's accelerating. It's going quantum. It's exponential. And most people give up way before that. Mm. And I don't know what it is. It's another conversation for another time, but I just was so stubborn and committed. I was unwilling to give up at growing a business and doing this thing I really wanted to do. You do it for 10 years. You're, you're going to get those 10,000 hours in, as they say, and you're going to get good enough and something's going to pop. And that's, that's really a message I have for anybody. Whatever you, whatever you want to do, whatever your heart's you know, telling you to do, calling you to do, like do it full out. But, but play the long game because you do anything for five to 10 years, it's going to be extraordinary. Mm. You know, if you want to write a book, so write every day and be willing to have your first two books just be awful or the first thousand pages of writing that you do just be awful in the pursuit of making it great. And if we're really being gentle with ourselves, we go, ah, I've been writing my whole life. I write emails. I wrote in high school and college. I wrote on the side for fun. It's like, I already have a bunch of experience. I'm just a little rusty. Got to dust off that and, and get better. And uh, I, I don't know. It just makes things simple in a pursuit of our own excellence. We're just practicing every day. We're getting better at whatever we choose to practice. I think that's going to be so um, just expansive for anyone who's in business just to hear, you know, because people at the beginning, we said, you know, you run an eight figure business and people might go, well, it's all right for you, James. You know, you always say this, don't you? It's all right for you because you've got the money and you can pay yeah. the team and, you know, right. you've got the money to pay the team. But to yes, see- I, I inherited this business from my parents. <laughs> right. I inherited an online business from my, from my parents. No, it started at zero, the same place right. every, everyone starts. And you took it on that trajectory and it didn't yeah. earn for the first few years. And yep practice you kept on you kept on so I think so many people would Mm -hmm. love hearing that it's just if like that's one of those moments people might actually go okay I've heard that I'm good now I'm good because I know that okay it's all right that it's not happening overnight like that you know you have those moments on podcasts that you just need to hear that one thing and it shifts everything I feel like that might be one of those moments I always I also feel like I'm just super conscious that it's like 20 past two in the morning where you are (laughs) so yeah I don't want to 20 in the morning so uh, no it's all good I, I go to bed after three I know crazy we were talking about that before weren't we the, the yeah the, yeah um so okay I so feel great right now good I'm, I'm tired it, or anything I mean this has just been the most expansive conversation so just before we kind of get on to the um rapid fire round which I call sure. all, of, all about you um what something you say that I've heard you speaking about is how 
when you started your podcast and you kind of went more over to the woo side of it, people would be listening, go, I'm not listening to this. This is too mm -hmm. woo or whatever. Yeah. And something you've taught me is that that's actually a really good thing because you want to repel the people who aren't in alignment with you and your truth and what it is that your, um, your values. Yeah. And it's not that you want to repel anybody, right? It's that if I had to choose between repelling somebody and holding my tongue, mm. I'm not going to hold my tongue. And by holding my tongue, I mean like saying what I'm here to say, hold that message within ourselves. Like, I'm just not going to do that. And that's what was happening. The short version of that story is um, I built up this million dollar business teaching YouTube. And my whole thing was like, YouTube is the bee's knees. And this is what's going to build your business. And it's what's built mine. Now that's true. Okay. But only on a 3D level. And the more I kept saying that, this freaking nudge and like feeling kept gnawing and nagging at me, which is like, yeah, kid, but it's all that invisible underneath the surface stuff that you've been doing that really made it successful. And there could be a hundred other people doing the same thing you're doing on YouTube, but they ain't doing what you're doing beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. And I started to say like, if I don't start talking about that, something yeah, I'm going to get hit with a boulder because I'm just like denying what I'm, what's trying to come up and I'm trying to like keep it down. And, um, my, my audience at the time was like 90% men, camera dudes, you know, frame rate and Kodak and what editing software and what's the latest lens and camera gear and stuff like that. And very nerdy, technical, left brain, logical 3d. And that's where I come from too. Um, that's me. And I opened up to this stuff, this weird and woo. And um, so I go, hey, I'm coming out with this weird woo-woo podcast. And like the first episode, I'm talking about how to feng shui your office and how to use crystals to manifest. And um, I started talking about manifesting. I started bringing people on and talking about Akashic Records and, and interpreting your dreams and all this stuff. And people were like, what the F? F this guy. And my email list was like 180,000 people on it. And it went down to less than 30,000 in a wow. month. People are leaving these negative reviews. Like this guy's gone off the deep end. He's <laughs> way too weird and woo. I'm sorry. I just can't do this. And I'll be honest. It never worried me for a second. It was just like, it just, I just knew like, not a, not a problem. This will be fine. Uh, Email list, email list came. And that's that whole letting go to, um, to let in. Email list went right back up to where it was and the business doubled in size and then grew from there. And um, the rest, as they say, is history. So that's, that was what was next for me. So I said, F it, let's do it. And never looked back. Yeah. You know, something that's really served me with all this stuff and this is the thing, you know, I was like, if I, I'm not, I'm a very, I'm a contrarian as an individual. Okay. So like, if we're talking about spiritual things and there's people like I ruffle little feathers and stuff, obviously I'm not trying to, but I really just like, I don't give an F about a lot of things. And I think that's the big problem is um, we put a lot of importance on things that are just not freaking important. And why do we care what people think about us? I mean, 
do you really just think about that for a moment? Like how much of our, our power and our energy and our life force we waste just what some stranger on the internet thinks about you. Like mm-hmm. you, you, you know, I can say this to you, Lauren, like you with, with, uh, uh, however long it's been on this, on this path, Don Javier, have you learned more about yourself in the past year, two years, three years, however long it's been, um, more so than in any part of your life before that? Yeah, absolutely. It, absolutely. Right. So you've learned a lot about yourself that you didn't know about yourself just in the last couple of years. So how the heck is some stranger on the internet who watches a video or sees a post or listens to a podcast, how could they possibly know more about who you are than you do when you've been living your life your whole life and you've discovered more about yourself just in the last few years? It's ridiculous. It's just, it's, it's absurd. Mm -hmm. And we don't look at these things as opinions and judgments when they are giving their opinions and judgments, we look at them as like, this must be true because three people said it. Mm. I mean, today I just see it so differently. If someone's like, uh, yeah, James has gone a little weird. It's like, you're the weird one for thinking that what I'm talking about is weird. That has nothing to do with me. That has a, that's your perception of me. And the only perception that, of you that matters is your own. Like what you see when you look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And the, I would, I would, you know, in those clothes, I think it's like a Kurt Cobain or whatever. It's like, I'd rather be hated for who I am than loved for who I'm not. Right. And it's like, there is so much profound truth to that. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, speaking your truth is really about is like, that that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. But and it's hard goal- to get to that. I think like, you know, I work with a lot of women and we talk about the fawn response, you know, women are forever people pleasing and, and actually going, wow, I didn't realize I've actually been operating from something completely different to my authenticity because I don't want to ruffle the feathers and I, and, Oh, actually I am like being loved for who I'm not because that's yeah. making other people comfortable. So ruffle the feathers. Yeah. Ruffle the free. Just feathers. ruffle it. Like that's, <laughs> you know, that's the thing is like, you know, and I, I may not be the best person to give advice on that, but it's like, I, cause like, I don't, I don't like to ruffle feathers myself. I don't go around poking people. I don't go around like, I don't, I'm not going to sit here, Lauren, and go like, I'm going to try to, piss Lauren off tonight or something, you know, like I'm not, that's not the, the MO, but, um, but I'm not afraid of it. Right. Yeah. And that's I get the it. difference. I mean, you I, know t- I mean? you know, uh, yeah, I've got a client in Las Vegas and I said to her, there's so many coaches in LA and on your time zone, you have to wake up to do a session with me at six in the morning. Like <laughs> why, why me? And she said, because of your, the stuff that you talk about on social media in healthcare about healthcare and how that resonates with me and other coaches won't get how I feel about that stuff. So it's you that I need to work with because you get me. Now, this is stuff I'm being shadow banned for, right? But I choose, I'm not ruffling feathers. I'm very compassionate with everything I speak yeah. about and yeah. do it all from a place of compassion and kindness. But, you know, at one point I was like, gosh, I am, maybe I shouldn't be talking about this stuff. Maybe I, because I'm going to like repel loads of potential clients and people who might want my course. And, and actually it's the opposite. Cause I'm calling in my people. Yes. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think a lot of the people pleasing and all that type of stuff is like, you know, we've got some core beliefs to work through. We still don't feel, you know, deserving of, of love and, you know, like there's worthiness issues. And I've, I've worked through those and it really is a really beautiful place to get to. And I think it's a very common, you know, part of the human condition that we decided at a young age that there's something wrong with us. 
And then we like, you know, that little five-year-old brain still driving the, the bus all these years later. And here's a fun way to look at it. I think it's a beautiful way to look at it. It's like, if with that, I'm not, you know, yes, I tend to be a people pleaser and, you know, I don't want to ruffle feathers. I don't want to inconvenience. I don't want to bother people. I don't want to take up too much space. If, if it's coming from those deep, you know, core beliefs, then the answer obviously is at the risk of sounding so cliche and hallmarky is, is self-love. And I really like in a non-narcissistic way, of course, it's like, I love myself. And what, what that means, what self-love to me is, is acceptance is like, I have quirks. I'm weird. I ain't perfect, but like, I'm, I'm totally at peace with who I am. And, and I love uh, all these things about who, who I am and what makes me me. And so when you have that love for yourself, then and truly only then do you have it as a gift that you can give to others because you can't give what you don't have. And that's what anybody who's labeling himself a people pleaser, I, I know is also the same type of person that wants to, to, to come from love and give love to others. And it's really hard to give something that you don't have yourself. And when you have it, my gosh, it's just freaking contagious, you know? It and you because, well, yeah, because, you know, you've heard that phrase perception is projection. So what we perceive in someone else is a projection of ourselves. So if I, if I go, oh, she's this, or he's that, or blah, 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 blah. That's a, that's a projection of, of some shadow aspect of myself that I haven't mm -hmm. reconciled. But if I'm like at peace with who I am, then all I see is more amazingness in you, you know, and more acceptance and love for you. So it's like, we got to get busy getting on with that so that we can like <laughs> spread the love. I mean, like quite literally spread the love. And, um, you know, so like, but I ain't afraid to ruffle feathers because I'll tell you why. And again, I could talk for hours and, and, and to go on a thousand tangents and I'm so sorry. And you probably wanted like a 20 minute episode. Like I do quick no episodes. Way. I did not want but, a 20 minute episode. But here's something I can guarantee anybody. If you want to change, transform the quality of your life, you want to transform the quality of any relationship. There is an absolute, and I say this powerfully and, and unequivocally, like just with absolute certainty, there is a direct correlation to the quality of your life and the relationships. And the, because, you know, your life is like made up of the people in your life and the, the, the quality of those relationships and the love and the presence that is there as a direct correlation with all that and your ability and willingness to have uncomfortable conversations with another human being. Mm -hmm what we call ruffle of feathers at times. I don't want to say something that could upset them. That's called having an uncomfortable conversation. Mm. I don't want to bother them. That's called having an uncomfortable conversation. I don't want to make them angry. I don't want to offend them. I don't want to hurt them. That's called, you're about to have an uncomfortable conversation. Mm. Now, that's also a skill. You want to learn how to have it eloquently from a place of compassion and neutrality. But I can tell you right now, Anybody here listening who's still miraculously listening to anything I have to say, who wants to have the courage to take on that challenge of having an uncomfortable conversation with someone who in their life matters to them, um, kudos to you because we will go the rest of our lives holding on, resenting and burdening ourselves with things that we're just not speaking up about. And we can do it in a way that is kind and compassion. You know, Lauren, there was something you said earlier that when you said it, it really like, it hurt my feelings. 
And it made me feel like you don't like me. And I don't know, maybe you don't like me, but like, I feel like I have to address it with you, you know? Oh, James, no, I mean, I'm so sorry. Like, no, I didn't mean that. And you know, you're, you're right. And da, 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 It's like, okay, so we're good. We're good. Wow. That was easy. Mm. And we spend so much of our life avoiding that. Yeah. But, and I'm going to just really quickly interject. I hope that's okay because there's a caveat there. And and here is something that I've learned the hard way. And it's been a very hard lesson for me. I'm a very open person. I, it's just how I've always been. It's how I am naturally. You just know everything about me. I mean, there are some things I keep sacred, obviously, but generally I'm a very open person. Which things? Tell me those things. (laughs) (laughs) When we're off air, I'll tell you all of it. (laughs) Tell me the things you don't tell anybody else on air. (laughs) Um, And there will be some people that are not like that. And the caveat that aren't as open as you or that don't want to go down that route with you. And they're unable to have those open conversations Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that's their shadow. And again, like a great lesson and something that has served me so well is coming to that understanding of that's also okay. That's their journey. That's okay. No judgment on them. However, yeah, that person then might not, I might not be served having that person in my life. Yes, exactly. And and if I can't open myself up to yeah. having those convers- those honest conversations with that person, because that person is not in that place and they're yes. at a different place in their journey to I am, to yes. where I am, then I have to be able to say, okay, now I'm shutting the door on that because that person yes. is not going to accept this from me. Yes. And actually that, that is a shedding process for me. Now I have to Absolutely. shed that person in, in some form of energetic death from my life. Yes. Um, and, and I have to continue on this path of doing that. And it's okay. Like not them being scared going back to, well, I'm not going to speak my truth and I'm not going to yes. talk about these. No, you carry on, but there will be some people who cannot take that from you. I don't see that. I couldn't agree more. I don't see that as a caveat. I see that as a, as a potentiality. Caveat's the wrong word. Yeah. Caveat's the wrong word. Because here's the thing is if you have a friend in your life and every time she sees you, she, she, um, you know, uh, insults you, just jabs at you something. Mm -hmm. And it really bothers you because it's like real and raw and it's personal. And you sit there and you sit, and I go, as your friend, I'm like, you really should just, just address that with her. And you go, no, cause she might not want to be my friend anymore. It's like, well, now we know what our choices are. <laughs> this person, we, right, we're going to choose right. to part ways or she's going to continue to hurt me in a way right. that I don't like it. And, you know, or there's a third option where we have the conversation and she goes, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. And like, I will never do that again. You know what I mean? It's like, well, that yeah. is the third option. But yes, um, that's always the risk. Um, and, and I've had to have that with, with people in my life. And that's Mm -hmm. the beauty of a conversation is that's why I'll say it'll transform the quality of your life because either, either that, that relationship is going to up level and enrich in itself in a whole different way, or that relationship is going to end. Right. And you only brought something up because there was something ineffective in the relationship that was affecting you. Right. And, um, you know, anyway, I don't know what brought us onto that topic, but that's, I don't even, that's know. I don't even know where we're at right now, but I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
uh, how can okay. we get here? <laughs> but, but yeah, it is two thirty in the morning for you now, and I'm so conscious of your time. So I want to oh, just you. the most expansive conversation. So let's end it on a beautiful high note with all about okay. you. So I'm going to ask you a series of rapid fire questions. Okay. And. The first one is always the same. The other four are different, chosen differently for each guest. So the first one is wellness is. Wellness is, oh man. Um, the first thing that came to me was, was uh, well-being. Wellness is, is being in a state of well-being. Hmm. Okay, abstract. But then, yeah, yeah, because that's something that, Don that you can go always, deep into, yeah. Always, always says to us is how important it is to be in our well-being, and I think, yeah. you know, there's our physical health of 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 wellness, but there's our mental, emotional, spiritual well-being yeah. as well. And I I like to see that totality of it. Well, know, that's because, what this podcast is all about. So. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you know, he's talked to me. I've seen it happen. Like, it's like if you if you feed this, if you tax yourself like this, if you go down that, you're going to make yourself sick. Mm -hmm. And to have that in my life, to see that correlation and connection and is really powerful and profound. And I don't, I don't, I think maybe not this audience, but I think obviously a lot of people don't put the, make the connection or put the importance on, you know, a state of dis-ease that can cause and correlate to, you know, physical deep disease many times in our life so totally yeah. yeah thank you um if you weren't doing what you were doing now what is a career other than your own that you would like to try um <laughs> um so I've always um I've always wanted to be uh like At first, it was, I would label it like a toy maker, but I actually wanted to um, create my own um, world, you know, like Pokemon, Power Rangers, Harry Potter, like a whole world of um, that's from like books, toys, and, and everything in between, like its own TV show. I, I always wanted to do that from a little kid. I wanted to have my that's own. Like when so all, cool. Yeah, when all those things were like Ninja Turtles, like that was my first love. Like I loved Ninja Turtles. I was like six years old when that came out. And I was like, I was already kind of trying to create my own characters. I have all these books as a little kid I made. So I was like, I wanted my own action figures and video games and playing cards and all that to create my whole world. That's, that's what I'd be doing otherwise if I wasn't. That's amazing. No one's ever given an answer like that. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. Yeah. Um, I think I might know the answer to this because it might be the same as mine, but you might surprise me. If you could raid one person's brain and retain all their information, who would it be? Oh my gosh. Well, I think there is an obvious answer of Don Javier because when I talk to him and I get the opportunity to talk to him so much, that's what's been on my mind. I think, I feel like I should answer a question that's more like a historical figure or something, but as a very personal and real answer to that because when he knows and sees what he sees and doesn't tell you 99% of it, it's constantly on my mind, like crap, what does he see that I don't, 
Yeah. And that that's the most common one that is, but I feel like there should be some, some other answer of some other historical fam- famous figure. Why should there I be? I know. Like I, I don't John have Javier one. Javier has so. like all the information of all the historical figures as well. So I think we've Exa- got it all him. Exactly. I think the close second would be Nikola Tesla though, if I had to give it. Oh, wow. Or, yeah. Yeah. But I think John Javier would say, well, the light beings gave Nicholas, Nikola Tesla that information yeah. to put oh, yeah. in was, his brain to be able yes. to create what he created. He was receiving plans, you know, for all that right. stuff. Amazing. Well, that was my I think that's what's well. happening with Elon Musk, by the way. I think Ooh, he gets yeah. he, he gets like crazy stuff, you know, because he's like that guy like doesn't sleep. No. Yeah. And you know, he's he's like in it with all his companies and stuff like that. He knows about like rocket literal rocket science and all that type of stuff. And yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. So well, maybe your next answer could be Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, that's not it's he's not my answer. I just <laughs> no, yeah. good. um Okay, your biggest guilty pleasure, like something that you love, but you're just okay with loving. Um, my biggest guilty pleasure right now is playing video games. That's my that's my like one. I've had someone else say pleasure. that as well. With Jay yeah. Shetty said that as well. Funnily enough. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. So I I um as soon as I started my business, I stopped playing video games because I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a time waster. Yeah. And, and then just recently I actually got into it. I actually went and bought an old Nintendo 64, which is the system I had when I was a kid. So it's like retro video gaming. And it was like a really just like fun, nostalgic reminiscing experience. And then my nephew who's seven is like just getting into video games. So it's like a really fun bonding experience. So I will, before this interview, well, a couple hours before it, obviously, cause he went to bed at like seven 30, I will FaceTime him and I will put the camera facing the TV as I play Zelda on the Nintendo and he's like telling me, he's like, go left, go down here, fight that bad guy, do this. And I'm like, that's like, that's the most fun all day. So yeah. Uh, I'm such a bad mom. I haven't, my son's also seven and I haven't let him do um, video games yet. No, Um, it's probably for the best. Yeah. At the moment I'm cool. (laughs) Unless he wants to become a professional gamer. Apparently those kids make a ton of money and it's a whole career. They do. I'm just like, I think of everything from the health aspect and I'm like, oh, there's too much artificial blue light. It will mess up his circadian rhythm. (laughs) That's how my mindset works. Yeah. Um, Okay. Your most valuable failure. My most valuable failure. I've had so many. Um, I mean, uh, that's really hard for me to choose right now in this, in this moment, because I almost, when I hear the word failure, I want to make it mean like a, a mistake that I made versus something bad that happened, you know, like going through that lawsuit thing was a bad thing that happened, but there was like, there was no like mistake on my end. It didn't do anything wrong. I don't label that in my mind as a, as a failure, but I will say this. I, this is just the one that comes to mind and, and it's, it's not a big one, but it was, it was a turning point for me. So I think it's appropriate. I was promoting somebody else and it just tanked. Um, and I had gone all in on it and everything. And they were teaching like a business and marketing program. And I just was supporting them and I went all in. It just did horribly wrong. And I was like really bummed out about it for a day. And I decided to do like an exit survey and ask people why they didn't buy. And everyone came back and they said, 
because we don't want to learn from that person. We want to learn from you. Mm. And that's when I got the light bulb to create business by design in that moment. So that was all birthed out of that. And it was also at that same time, I guess that was a pretty big failure too. Yeah. Was, so you, you said it wasn't a big one. That's a ma- Those are the kind of things that change our lives. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was just like a well, failed promotion thing and I was a little bummed out about it, but it was also at that same time. It, it, it corresponded with uh, about a year prior. Um, and I've told this story where I, I got a call from my CPA and she said, she said, Hey, you've made a good amount of money. You made like 70 grand this month. Uh, problem is, is, uh, you spent more and I was losing money in the business. And that, that really forced me to start to figure out how to actually run a business. Like, Oh, you actually have to learn how to run a business. And, uh, and I was just doing things really ugly and messy inside. So I had to clean it up. And so when those two events converged, that's what really birthed business by design and, and what, what it is today. So those, those were, those were huge blessings. Brilliant answer. Okay. The last one going to end on a fun one. Who is your first celebrity crush? First celebrity crush? Britney Spears. Really? <laughs> I, I think I was a in... Britney Spears guy. <laughs> no, not anymore. But, um, I mean, I was like, I think I was in high school when that like, yeah. Hit me baby one more time song came out. I think yeah. every guy in my grade liked her. That's the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> so, Brilliant. Yeah. How funny. <laughs> Amazing. Um, James, this has just been the most beautiful conversation. I'm so grateful you've given me so much time, oh, especially you. in the middle of the night. Thank you so yeah. much. I know so many it's people the best are time. just going to get so much out of this. So just thank you. Yeah. Well, th- thank you, Lauren. It was a, and- it's a pleasure. And, and obviously we'll put all your details in the show notes um, and people can follow you on uh, Instagram. Is, is it at James Wedmore? That's my name yeah. at James Wedmore over on Instagram. Please send me a DM. And, and you're big on TikTok now as well. Well, I don't know about that. I'm trying to be big on TikTok, but the, <laughs> the, the, the 15 year olds aren't, aren't grabbing yet. They're not, they're not hooking onto my, my business building content, but we're getting them. We're getting well, them. Well, I'm day. hooking onto it there. I mean, you got me onto TikTok, so I'm I'm there because yeah. of you. So thank you. Well, no, um, thank okay. You. Thank you so much, James, and good night. Yeah. Good morning. <laughs> Have a great day. If you haven't yet heard, I have just released a free, yes, free journaling course. If you've always wanted to try journaling but just don't know where to start, or you've been hearing how powerful journaling can be but you just don't understand why, or you want to create a daily practice that enhances your life but you just need a little support in doing that without it costing you anything, this course will do all that for you. It is packed with content that will show you just why journaling is important, how to do it, where to start and how to make it work for you. It is completely free and that is as a way for me to pay it forward because journaling really is one of the most integral parts of my growth practice and I want to give that to you. All you have to do is click on the link in the show notes to get the course sent directly to your inbox. (music) 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Reconditioned. I am honestly so grateful to each and every person that tunes in. Thank you also for taking responsibility for your own well-being. You should know that just by choosing to listen to podcasts like this that further your well-being, you're moving more deeply into abundance consciousness. Now don't forget I have a bunch of free resources over at laurenvacneen.co.uk as well as every recommendation you could ever need in regards to your well-being on the LV Recommends page, all categorized for your ease. Thank you also to our sponsors. These episodes would not be possible without them, so make sure to check them out and get some pretty awesome discounts on the show notes. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get updated each time a new one is released. Thank you. I appreciate Appreciate you. Reconditioned is proud to be working with Women for Women International, a charity that supports women survivors of war in eight war-torn countries around the world. You can help a woman survivor of war transform her life today by visiting womenforwomen.org.uk forward slash donate.